Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Do we get in touch for whatever may be on your mind as we head across Thursday's program? The front page of the mail this morning says Summer of Freedom, where the nation will be able to enjoy more freedom this spring and summer. Government insisting, Michal Martin insisting there are brighter days ahead. Now, some will say we heard that this time last year as well. Um, but the next 10 days will be critical because they figure that this Omicron variant uh, hasn't peaked yet and will do over the next week to 10 days and then it should hit a downward track. But the bulk of people were reminded this morning in intensive care right now are actually sick not with Omicron but with the Delta variant because the Omicron is a completely different um, I was going to say beast but you can't compare it to Delta in any way shape or form because the data is coming back saying that it is very very much less severe uh, than Delta so that's optimistic in, in many regards we're coming through this as a front pager making the sun who also remind us that the wave will peak uh, in 10 days time Mio Martin's on the front of the papers today he says that uh, the wave will peak in the next 10 days uh, but um, and schools are back today of course so there's a lot of that's kind of a touchy feely story and I'd love to get your thoughts on that we're asking the question online this morning I'm also asking you guys are your children going back to school today have they gone back to primary and secondary uh, do get in touch text 0868104106 but bit of a fly in the ointment here assuming they can roll out the boosters as fast as possible because there's a couple of clocks ticking on this one uh, and one of them is that people wanting to enjoy a pint or to eat in a restaurant you'll need proof of your booster vaccine to gain entry according to Michal Martin so it seems as if to enjoy an active social life going forward, for how long, I don't know. You could say three months, six months, I haven't a clue. He says that you'll need to be triple vaccinated to enjoy an active social life. Now, the thing about that is many people are trying to, uh, you know, go overseas or book something for February or whatever the case may be. Um, and uh, they're wondering what's the story with regards to updating the uh, COVID cert or your QR code on your phone. That should happen on the 15th of January. I was just looking into that story last night. So apparently the COVID certs uh, will be updated uh, to issue people proof of the booster jab. And uh, this is because the Omicron variant is already so prevalent in, in Ireland at this stage uh, that and it actually accounts for 95% of cases. So we're trying to move ahead at the same time, but with a couple of conditions, including the need uh, for uh, an updated booster cert to go indoors. I wouldn't be panicking about that, to be honest with you. Because if they deliver, as, as say, for instance, uh, Stephen Donnelly is suggesting, on the 15th of July or January, that shouldn't be an issue. They've also set aside a whole load of dosh uh, to buy a big truckload or truckloads of the antiviral drug uh, and the pills from uh, Pfizer and Merck and GlaxoSmithKline. So there's more in that regard as well, not just vaccines, but also the uh, antiviral pills that are available. But we apparently, according to the Mail, with 8,000 teachers off sick, uh, but maybe not now, but that's what's expected to be absent um, over the next few days. 8,000 of them. That's a ferocious number, isn't it? And according to research making the mail this morning, about two thirds of parents want schools to reopen today um, and they just want to drive on. So I will be returning to that in a few minutes time. But big changes, just as we were coming off the air yesterday, big changes with regards to uh, people who do want to fly into Ireland where fully vaccinated passengers will no longer need a negative COVID test to get into the country. Uh, to sum it up, it's because Omicron is so uh, rampant here now at this stage that there's no point. You know, it's just out there. It's it's in the community. And that's why you're hearing more and more 
or at least you should be hearing more of people saying, uh, you know, that this now is like a flu virus. This now is like something that we will have to deal with, just like we deal with flu year in, year out. So they've scrapped the pre-arrival requirements from today now. That's just for jabbed people now. The unjabbed coming in and out and what have you will still need negative PCR tests. It can be very confusing with the different rules and regulations that are in place, but uh, I hope that uh, I'm not overcomplicating it. The difference here, though, and I'll be asking Owen Corey about this, it's fine for people coming into Ireland, but what are other countries doing across Europe or sunshine destinations with regards to Irish people who want to get in there? Um, and a PCR test requirement or an antigen test requirement or whatever. Uh, you heard in the sports there with Rory that Djokovic, he, he isn't being deported just yet. He's actually in a quarantine hotel at the moment in Melbourne and there he will stay because there's a court case now that his legal team are taking against the Australian government on Monday that will be heard in court as to whether he can go or whether he can stay and whether he can play or not. Somebody said yesterday that, um, you know, with regards to his return ticket, uh, using a, a tennis uh, phrase, they said Djokovic didn't see that return coming. And of that you can be sure. I think he thought he could sail in and just play. Uh, the Australians are having none of it. And uh, Simon Coveney is back in the news this morning. Um, I think he'll survive this one. You know, this uh, champagne party. I, I often wonder how it could be such a... Um, okay, you can drop your guard uh, and take a photograph and a selfie. Um, and it was you can call it a moment of madness. But it's a lot more difficult at Ivey House to call this a moment of madness if they also had champagne and champagne glasses <laughs> and all of these bottles of champagne at the same time. Uh, so that's bad form, particularly as the country was completely and utterly locked down at the same time. So what happens in Irish political circles also seems to be happening in UK political circles as well, doesn't it, with regards to all of the hot water that Boris Johnson and his government department seem to be getting into. And also Golfgate restarts today. But Simon Coveney says that he wasn't part of the celebrations. He went into Meet the Staff and was in there 10 minutes. But he didn't actually partake of any of the partying and went back to work. That's why the Mirror this morning says he's quoted, well, he's not actually saying these words, I'm no champagne flute. There are other stories from Lee's side this morning, including knife crime and issues like that, which I'll come back to uh, throughout the morning because it's very important. And a uh, lovely story, actually, from a fellow called Dennis Boyle down in West Cork. Um, he's not going to be caught or ripped off by any increase in the price of booze. So what has he done? He's become... Um, Become famous uh, overnight because he went off and he bought um, 350 euro worth of beer in Aldi on Monday. And there's a photograph of him with his trolley. And you know the trolleys now are huge. And this one is bursting. Um, it's overflowing uh, with uh, cans of beer. He saved around 200 by getting it in early. Uh, German pills he bought, apparently 300 cans and 100 bottles of French lager. And he got it all just before the price increase. Um, and it's a lovely story where he says he's bought up his 12-month supply in advance to beat the minimum price. And the Pope is saying that people who prioritize pets over children are selfish. Uh, people who substitute pets for children are engaging in selfishness. And he says that sometimes pets take the place of children in society. Love to get your thoughts on that. Text 0868104106. And there's a lot of re on relationships in the papers today, which I will come back to a little later on, particularly with regards to uh, a first date and the amount of people that have sex on their first date and the amount of people who have sex on their first date who've been drinking versus those that don't. Drink makes a big difference, apparently. Um, mind you, they are talking about uh, dry January failing for the vast majority of people. Well over half of people 
who decide to kick booze for January are back supping again by the middle of the month, apparently. And the Lord Mayor has just taken delivery of a Ford Mustang EV motor car. That makes it the first electric car. Uh, And apparently his driver, uh, Finbar, has called it the Knight Rider. So he's got a Ford Mustang SUV, totally electric, retails at about 70 grand from Ford and it'll go 400 kilometres on a full charge. So he's delighted with that. And if you want a bit of brightening up and you like watching movies or films, the Mirror this morning is saying Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone has been voted voted the number one feel-good film to help the banish the January blues. It's interesting to use the word banish and Harry Potter in the same sentence, isn't it? With the cancelling and the banishing of uh, J.K. Rowling. Uh, But in second position, The Lion King, and in third position, Shrek. So if you really, really want to get a serious jolt of feel-good vibes, watch all three. The Neil Prendeville Show. Best indeedy, and our lines are open. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106 and we'll drive on. We have a poll up now on on uh, Twitter and put it up a few minutes ago asking the question as to whether or not parents are sending their children back to school, primary schools and secondary schools. So do get involved in that at the moment. And you can vote on our Twitter page, my Twitter page. 68% of parents are sending and have sent their kids back. Let me talk to, um, over the course of the morning, on and off, some principals and some teachers and also some parents, if at all possible. And Rodri Mears is the principal of Middleton Educate Together. They have just under 600 students. Big school. Rodri, good morning. Good morning and a happy new year. And you too. And thank you for sake taking some time out this morning. Just no tell me, problem. I know I know it's only like coming up on twenty past nine, but any indication about numbers coming back this morning? Um, yeah, well, well, I suppose the the roll call is just being uh, in the process of being completed, and we're definitely down um, numbers. Um, and that was half to be expected, I think, as well, Neil. Um, yeah. We a similar issue before Christmas, uh, COVID related, illness related keeping families safe leading into Christmas and obviously we're in the middle of a very, very challenging time as a nation. Therefore, rightly so, I think that some parents have decided, no, I'm keeping my child home, keeping them safe at home and I think our role so far is is showing that parents are taking that action. Okay, you do, you can't put a percentage on it or anything, you don't have a not, head count. Not quite yet, no, just purely because the roll call is still being done, but I'm, look, yes. I'm looking at a class, for example, of 27 and there's 8 out, there's 11 out in one class, there's another 8 and a 5 and a 7 out in another class. That's substantial and enough, Rodri, to be honest. It is, it is, it is, and I suppose you know, uh, I, I think the perception of of when you're in the thick of it is different to when you can stay, take a step back um, and look inwards. I, I think um, I, I think every school at the moment um, is is already stretched before the term has even started, and we're in the middle of quite a difficult moment. Regardless of, I suppose if you, if you want to be uh, how dangerous or how complex Omicron is or how not how it isn't, maybe you know. The numbers are astronomical across the country, okay. and I think that's concerning. And you, but you said there when I was chatting with you just at the start, rightly so, that they're keeping the primary school kids at, yeah. at home. Yeah, rightly well, so. Absolutely. You're saying you're okay. I, with I it. think. Well, I am. I'm absolutely, and I'm, I'll support any family who decide that, that they feel that they need to keep their children home. I don't think it's it's a wrong thing to do. Um, 
I think we haven't hit this peak. I think there was a, there was a, there was a headline this morning, I think, from the Taoiseach. Uh, a peak maybe in, in 10 days' time. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. What, what on earth are numbers going to be like? We're now putting children and staff in highly densely populated classrooms and even with some measures in place, Omicron is meant to be highly transmissible. So what impact is that going to have? Um, I, you know, I heard you mentioning earlier, you know, there's going to be massive staff absences. We have 25% of our staff out today. And are you scrambling for substitutes or how are you dealing with that? Struggling. Uh, are we dealing with it? We're not really. We're, we're kind of uh, at, the, at the edge, I suppose, of asking some classes to stay home. Um, we're, we're fortunate that we've been able to ask some student teachers to come in and sub for us. Um, we have, I think, the first time in a long, long time, I haven't been able to find any SNA subs either as well as classroom teacher subs. Okay. So we, we have, we have a, a large percentage out today, and that's day one. And those um, staff that are out, um, are they out with COVID or close contacts of it or isolating? Mixture, there would be a mixture of, uh, and it, it's, it's mostly COVID-related, um, which, mm. which at this stage is such a wide range of um, reasons. And what is the story then with parents who are keeping their children's home with regards to education? Good question. Um, I suppose schools in general um, cannot be teaching on two fronts. Um, sadly, and this is, I suppose this is something that I suppose in, in working within a school, we'd be aware that there's no precedence to assisting uh, children at home unless they're at home isolating because they're very high risk or they've actually um, contracted COVID. So they, they won't um, be taught at, at home then? Is, is no, the... they can't be. They can't be because the uh, staff members at the moment are trying to teach the classrooms. They can't be teaching the home as well. Um, and even now with the sub-shortage, a lot of my special educational needs teachers, um, instead of withdrawing children or assisting children in classes with additional needs, mm. they're actually teaching classes. Mm. So once again, the children with additional needs are being forgotten about because of the staffing issue on top of COVID. And what parents that I spoke to over the weekend, one or two of them were wondering because kids were off a lot over the last year and they kept many kept mm-hmm. them home in, in December. Do they get reported at all then to the Department of Education for that? Or does does any kind of a system kick in where you send numbers to the Department of Education of well, parents? Well, like Tusla would require us to um, give, I suppose, uh, attendance returns um, throughout the year. So... We'd be doing that, but I suppose the only reason we would report, I suppose, a family is if we would have serious concerns regarding the absences. The majority of our families um, are wonderful. They'll pick up the phone or they'll email and say, look, really sorry, we just feel it's safer to keep our child home for the time being, for the short term. Yeah, okay, okay, common sense prevails. So you you are of the belief that going back today was a bad idea um, and uh, we should have had what they call a circuit breaker. Yeah, I th- I, look, I, th- I think... What was that, like another week, another two weeks, or what? Well, I suppose if the peak hasn't arrived yet, would it not be sensible to consider all alternatives? Even, Neil, to only allow maybe special classes or special schools come back. Like, when we when we were closed this time last year, well, sorry, 
when school buildings were closed last year. We were still teaching remotely, sadly, but when school buildings were closed last year, the first children to come back were those in special classes and special schools. And I don't think that there was potentially, and again, we weren't around the round table having these discussions, um, or I think they were having remote discussions about reopening of schools, that children with additional needs were potentially considered. So yeah. there's alternatives. It, it, it shouldn't. It, it might not have needed to be um, closed school doors completely. But where was that discussion? Did that discussion take place? We knew leading into the Christmas holidays what was on the horizon by looking at um, the scenario within the United Kingdom. Therefore, it possibly was a bit of common sense that we're going to have similar challenges here as well. So there was time to plan pre-Christmas didn't happen. Okay, so a bit of a stuttering start then, um, and the next few the next few days then will will dictate as to whether it's possible to keep going. You think? I think so. I think we're going to see give give it three, four, five school days. I think we could see further challenges. Okay, I might stay in touch with you in the coming days, Rodri, but thank you for taking Perfect. the call for now, Rodri. No Mears, problem, take care. Principal at Educate Together Primary School, just under 600 students. Meanwhile, uh, what's the story with regards to secondary schools back on Leaside this morning? Aaron Wolf is the principal at Colosh de Eamon Reese Secondary School in Balafian. Aaron, good morning. How are we doing, Neil? Happy uh, I hope, I, and you too, many happy returns. I wonder, did you hear there what we just uh, were, cha- did, were chatting about with, with Rodri? Uh, have you any idea about numbers back this morning? Is it a bit early for that? No, we have our number. <laughs> it's like the Eurovision, my numbers are in. <laughs> and we have 182 absent today. Out of, uh, out of a school of uh, how many? 480. 480 are our numbers here. So that's about uh, 35%? Yeah, 182. Okay, that's that's a high absentee number, thirty-five to forty percent, isn't it? It's huge, absolutely huge. No, it was big before Christmas, but it's never it's never been this big. Well, I understand somewhat before Christmas because people wanted to enjoy Christmas and also kids wanted to see their grandparents. So families hunkered down, but this is the new year now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're going through at the moment, and again, our parents are very good. They always let us know why their absence is. So we're just going through a load of emails, the secretary there. Um, most are close contacts, or they have COVID. Um, so that's the big concern, is now we've got 182 students at home, and they're not receiving any education. Um, which so of the 182, uh, the, an awful lot of them actually have Omicron then? Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay, or they're there. close contact. So I don't have the exact percentage of the 182, but the secretary is busy, Carmel is busy going through gotcha. all the numbers at the moment, yeah. Okay, okay, that's a very high number. Do you think it's the same across all schools then? I, I, guessing I would. I, I wouldn't understand how we'd be so different from everyone else. I understand. I'd imagine uh, it's across the board. Okay. And then that's not even including the staff. Okay, I was going to come um, to that because yeah. the mail, mail headline this morning said that this week there could be up to 8,000 teachers off sick across the country. Um, I think 25% of the teachers are out down, for instance, in, uh, in uh, the Educate Together pr- uh, primary. How many of you out? Yeah, well, I have 50 teachers on staff and eight are out. Um, I'm down four SNAs and I'm down two of the PME students. Uh, they were called the higher diploma students, so they're the student teachers. And we were relying on those students to take the extra classes, you know, to do the cover. But I've got two of those out. So in total, out of the staff, what's that? I have 14 staff missing today. 14 today. And there's no indication as to whether that will go up or down in the coming days. None. None. I mean, who knows? Okay, um, um, talk, talking to Rodri, he's, he's dead against the school's reopening today. He understands why parents are keeping their children away. What is, what's your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, well, I would have got, I would have opted for a delayed and a staggered start to returning to school. Like, obviously, there is huge worry for those that are the most vulnerable students in our school that uh, really need schools open. But I think we could have done a hybrid approach of online learning and in-class learning. But, you know, this whole mantra from the Department of Education that schools are safe spaces, schools are only as safe as the community around them. And the community around us is not safe at the moment. Um, and I think by having the schools open, there's no provision to teach students who are out of school if the school is open. So we have 182 students in this school who are receiving no education. And if they have to isolate or stay at home for five days, ten days, or longer, they're, they're out of the education system for that amount of time. Would it have made for sense no to bring back st- Leaving Cert students, perhaps, or Junior Cert students only? Well, that's it. I would have gone for a staggered approach. I would have done exactly what we did last. I think there was no point coming back Thursday and Friday. I think even had we got to Monday, a lot of the people that a lot of the staff members that I have out are coming out of isolation. They caught COVID over the Christmas holidays um, and they'd be coming back into the system, you know, after the weekend. Yeah. So I think by closing Thursday and Friday, we would have bought ourselves four extra days and... Um, that would have got us over the people that caught COVID over Christmas. Okay, so there's also a possibility that things will improve then by Monday with regards to teachers. But what do you do for empty cla- or empty students without a teacher in the classroom? Well, look, you know, it is a struggle. Luckily, like we do have PME students. I do have some substitute teachers on hand that, you know, we're very good to them and they're very good to us. So I have them to rely on. In secondary schools now, you can give a teacher, a teacher can work over their 22-hour contract hours. So you could put in a, a permanent member staff. Like I can go in and teach class, which I'm doing at the moment. I've just stepped out there now. Okay. So, All right. Well, I won't keep, I won't keep you then. Yeah. What are you teaching? Maths, is it? No, I'm an English teacher. I'm an English teacher. Do you know what I feel? So, uh, I feel very sorry for the kids, right, who have zero absences and strive to have 100% attendance all their school life. You know those kids? Uh, yes, some absolutely. kids are really proud of that accolade, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's awful. And it's awful as well being in a class where half your friends are missing. You know, some of the classes are completely depleted. And it's difficult for the teacher to move on because the teacher as well is conscious of God moving on and going to leave half the class behind. But they have to do it. What we've done in this school as well is if you're a teacher and you're out because you're a close contact, you're Zooming in remotely. So the teacher's at home, but they're being projected up onto the big screen in the classroom. Yeah, I know. But it's not ideal because the teacher can't see the students and I've got a supervisor watching them. So they are being taught but the whole thing is a mess Neil to be fair mm, well let's see what happens in the coming days I better let you get on to teach that oh. English class Aaron thanks for taking thanks the call for now. God bless. cheers take care and Aaron Wolf, principal of Coloshte Eamon Reach Secondary School text 0868104106 particularly if you're a parent particularly if you keep the kept the son or daughter out of primary or secondary school today and the reasons why text 0868104106 back after the break this is the Neil Prenderville show tweet the show at neilredfm 104 to 106 Red FM. And by text already this morning, text 0868104106. The Pope says people are selfish, you say, for having not having children and treating their pets like children instead. That's very rich coming from the head of an organization who bans their own from having any children at all. Thank you for that, Bernadette. And uh, Pauline says, I heard on the radio this morning that if a pensioner bought six cans of beer a week to drink at home, the increased 
price of that beer would wipe out their five euro increase. If the government was serious, why not give free access to addiction centres instead? So keep those coming. Text 0868104106 and we'll come back to it. Uh, we have other stories uh, to deal with again this morning and yesterday we were talking about issues regarding people and this and the uh, conditions they have to live in in their homes. Uh, I have another one of those stories and um, this could have been an off. It's bad enough, but it could have been an awful lot worse. Richard Hyde is going to tell us the story uh, of his own family home down in Little Island. He joins me by phone. Richard, good morning. Neil, how are you? I'm good, my man. Thank you. And, and I think this is, this is battery related, is it? What, tell us the yeah. whole story. This is December 29th. What happened in the home? Yeah, so basically, uh, if, if you know, probably all the golfers know I play golf, uh, and it's, it's basically the electric trolley and <laughs> battery was charging um, overnight. Uh, well, not overnight, but just I had a plug in for a while. Yeah. And anyway, uh, went to sleep. Um, Where was it? This was in my bedroom, sorry. But where was the charger? It was plugged in towards the end of my bed. You take it to bed with you. You really do love golf, in fairness. Yeah, yeah. Probably have the clubs on the other side of the bed, but go on anyway. Yeah, 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 that's what it was. But anyway, yeah, I had it. So I had it plugged in overnight, like I normally do whenever I go to charge it. And uh, so it basically woke me up at about 2 a.m. Some sort of a clicking noise I heard. And I looked up, and when you're charging these batteries... the red light means it's it's not full yet. Green light means it's fully charged. Yeah. So I got up, plugged it out from the wall, um, and I, I noticed the battery's very warm, unusually. So I said, okay, I'll just kind of move it to the side of the bed. Um, jumped back into bed anyway, thinking nothing of it. It was just warm because it's fully charged. Yeah. Left it there to cool down. Um, and I was just about to nod off back to sleep, and then there was more noises coming from the battery. So I was wondering, what was that? Well, that was unusual. So I got up again kind of a hissing noise it started making uh, and I thought, right, this isn't right. Um, so I went to go for it just to pick it up and started cracking. Uh, and next thing I know, there's a flame bursting from it and it, it caught onto my golf bag that was next to my battery. And I was like, Jesus, you know, yeah. what's going on here? Yeah. So I grabbed the golf bag um, that was on fire, trying to get rid of it. I threw out the front door, ran out the hallway, threw out the front door onto the grass, uh, came back down to the room so the battery was still flaming. Uh, it was after catching onto the door at this stage, which it was open just inside a uh, timber door. And I had a, a bedside locker that was after catching onto, and I knew it was bad. So this this is when I panicked and started shouting for everyone to get out of the house. Okay, so who's who's in the house with you at this stage now? So I, 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 it was my mother upstairs, and my brother is normally in the house as well, but he had gone to stay with his girlfriend in the city um, that night. So... When I realised he wasn't there, I ran in, banging on my mother's door. Um, she was very shook. She was, you know, it was 2.30 a.m. at this stage. And um, she was uh, she was shook, so I had to bring her down the stairs. And then she looked and she saw the flames and the smoke. She got very, very, uh, very scared. So she had just her pyjamas on. I was just in my underwear. Uh, so we grabbed some jackets and um, grabbed my car keys. They were by the front door, ran out to the side of the house got in the car, drove up to my next door neighbours, which is actually my aunt's house. Um, my husband, or her brother, my mother's brother-in-law was there. He, he came to the rescue. He basically rang the fire brigade for us. Uh, and then took in my mother. She was shook. I wanted to get, get some sleep or whatever, just try and relax her. So he took her into the bed, brought her down. Uh, in the meantime, I was after running back down the road uh, just to see, is there any fucking, is there any 
bad flames or whatever, you know, how yeah. bad it was. How bad uh, it caught hold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my neighbours in the meantime had heard me crying for help. Uh, so they came across the road um, and they were telling me, uh, just be careful. They, uh, like they got a shock, didn't realise what happened until they saw the flames coming from the room. So they could see flames from, from oh, the yeah, room. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Actually, okay. yeah. They actually took a picture. There's a picture going on the place of me, <laughs> me just standing there looking at the flames through the room. But uh, yeah, then I realised, so worried about my mother at that stage, that the two dogs were still in the house. My two little shih tzus. Oh, my God. Oh, my yeah, God. So, but I knew they're in the back room. So I said I'd go around the back door because the front door had been slammed shut with the smoke billowing out of it. Um, so I went around the back. The back door was locked. Obviously, I tried to burst in the door. Couldn't get it open. So at the side of the house, these patio doors, big glass windows. So I picked up a potted plant, something heavy, and I smashed it through. Uh, the, the glass door just burst in there then. Grabbed the dogs. Thought they were, thought they were goners because they weren't, they weren't waking. But they were just fast asleep, basically. Um, yeah, so I grabbed them. Uh, took him out and then the neighbours that had come out to me actually took him into their house but then the fire brigade had arrived they were very fast in fairness um, within 10 or 15 minutes they were there uh, and they had basically they stopped it from getting a lot worse and probably destroying the whole house at that stage um, and I was then there were two ambulances I just remember being carted off and my mother for you didn't go back it. in I went back in yeah but for the dogs, the actual flames. Yeah, but you, yeah. Dogs, like yeah, because at yeah, some stage yeah. you did thro- try and throw a blanket on the flames. Is that right? That was on. Yeah, originally, yeah, but that that did nothing because it was so bad. Basically, it was it was gone too uh, too powerful by then. So yeah, and did you try water and things? I think so. no, no, no. Yeah, I knew. Well, just in the back of my head, I knew electrical fire. Water is bad. Yeah, so. damp blanket or no. But at yeah. this, at the, yeah. you, you realised that the only thing you could do at this stage was to get out. Yeah, 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 basically. Yeah, okay. I've seen some of the photographs. Like, what kind of damage was it done? Yeah, like basically my room was completely destroyed, my bedroom. Uh, the flames had got out through the hallway. So the hallway and the ceiling and stuff is destroyed. The, the bathroom, which is directly across from my room, completely destroyed. Um, but only for the fact the fire brigade got there in such quick time, basically the rest of the rooms were, were saved, like as in there's smoke damage all over the house, you know, every surface of smoke on it. Um, lots of cleaning to be done. Um, but it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, um, it could have been an awful lot worse. And this is the yeah. battery of a yeah. golf buggy yeah. that's two years old and has a five-year warranty. Yes, apparently so. And did you Google? Did you Google anything since then about those batteries or whether or not they um, are dangerous in certain circumstances? No, I didn't. To be honest, I just because there was so much going on, like basically the whole community got together, and since it happened that day, we've like help has been from everyone. They were cleaning. We're even busy cleaning up and trying to limit the damage and stuff, you know, and get things back to normal if we can. Uh, so I didn't really have time to. I didn't even think about googling it. To be honest, good but God, it's just something you wouldn't have associated with these things. No, but like in the past, we have dealt with stories on the air, including a relation of mine where one of those cheap phone chargers caught fire and in one case gutted an entire apartment. Yeah, like you hear these stories, but until it happens to you, then you don't realise, you know. So, are you out of the house now? Oh yeah, yeah, we have to be, yeah. Um, Because there's basically, all the rooms are destroyed in smoke and... Beds, there's no beds left. They're they're all covered in smoke. Um, like the downstairs, the downstairs got the worst of it. 
um, upstairs then is yeah because it's fair to sum up because that's what we were chatting this morning that the house was destroyed by fire well yeah basically yeah, yeah. yeah. and is, have you house insurance on it yeah we do yeah yeah. so that's that's just being it's in the, in the process of being managed now will that cover everything like because I know there's a GoFundMe but will, will it will it cover every single thing including replacing all of your clothing all of your fixtures and fittings the lot well hopefully yeah like the, we have contents cover which covers most of all those things um, but we we're not. We haven't got exact figures yet or anything. So they're actually trying to tot up all that at the moment. I presume, yeah, the insurance company. And where are you? Where are you living? Uh, Neighbours, friends. At the moment, we're just waiting. Actually, hopefully today. Now we get it started because it's a long weekend that had been. Uh, that's why they're so delayed getting back to us about emergency accommodation, which is covered, I think, in the insurance. So they will probably be getting onto us today. Like, we have places ready to go. We just need to get the go-ahead from the insurance companies. Where would um, those places be? What, can, what are you talking about there? Um, okay, so the local TD, Padraig O'Sullivan, he, was, he has a house, one of the lodges in Vienna Woods, in Glenmire. Um, he said that's ready to go first tomorrow. We just need to um, contact the insurance company, make sure it's okay, blah, blah, blah. Um, How long do you stuff. think you'll be there? I mean, that Well, this... it, it, it's going to be... A month, at least, could be even more. But um, just just until we get it back to living living standards, like you know. And how many's in the family in total? Uh, others, myself, my two sisters, and my brother. Um, I have a sister in Australia actually at the moment. She's she's got it. She can't be here. Um, she's over in Port uh, with a boyfriend. You tell you want something. It'd be an awful lot worse if you hadn't woken up. Oh, I know, I know. Jesus, everyone keeps telling us that. Because, uh, because the carbon monoxide could have kicked in and yeah. you'd have never yeah. woken up. Yeah, I know, I know. Do you have fire alarms uh, and do you have little smoke yeah, alarms? Yeah, we had the, we had the mo- monoxide alarms actually, yeah. It's just as you mentioned, it's that, that went off so we know it was working. My but, God. Uh, did it work? Yeah, it did, yeah, Jesus. But, uh, the things before, we like, plug had, in at night when we go to bed, it's a real you know, worry, you know. You, know? Yeah. you don't even think about it until... Until something happens like that to yourself, you don't realise. Okay, okay. So do you need do you, do you need to dig out? I know the Little Island community have been very helpful. Oh, they've been amazing, honestly. Like, from day one, they, they, the groups of people that have been around us, like friends, like um, my uncles and stuff now have been there every day, nearly my dad. Um, and they've, as, as you said, as you mentioned earlier, the, the GoFundMe page, the Little Island Community Association set up, that's been absolutely fantastic so far. Um, the amount of money that's been raised couldn't have dreamed that I think you're okay there because they said a total of 15,000 and you're probably just a few hundred off that now at this stage yeah yeah that, that's like the target originally was 5,000 they kept they kept great like, community spirit isn't it basically yeah yeah like so much help like I couldn't thank anyone couldn't thank everyone enough, basically. Unreal. I've seen the photographs of the interior damage and you know what? Yeah. I know it's bad, but at least everybody's safe and everybody got out. Yeah, basically, yeah. Tough tar- a tough start to the new year. I know, yeah. Sure, look, we can get over it. We'll, we'll eventually get back and we'll be okay. You won't uh, be playing golf anytime soon, I'd say. No, no. Everything was destroyed, unfortunately. Oh, and golf clubs and everything. Well, hopefully the house insurance covers the golf club and a replacement yeah. buggy and battery. Hope so. Hope All right. So, yeah. but, um, okay, well, listen, thank God everybody's safe. Stay in touch and yeah. best of luck with everything, Richard, going forward. No problem. Thanks very much. Thanks for Neil. taking the call. Cheers. All the best. Bye. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter.
at Neil Red FM. You learn something all of the time, don't you? As in, you shouldn't be charging things overnight, but we all do. I mean, I charge the phone overnight, God knows, and leave laptops plugged in and stuff like that. And I wonder whether you should be rethinking all of those kind of things. Um, actually, ju- oh, just a quick shout out, if you don't mind, because things get away from you otherwise. A big shout out, I got this in the post yesterday. A big shout out for Chrissy O'Callaghan out there in Toker, who celebrates her big 80th birthday this week. Due to COVID, we can't visit, but all the same, we want to wish her a lovely day and we can celebrate in style later on. So happy birthday, Chrissy. 1942 was a good year, they say. They don't tell me who they are, but they figure you'll know who they are. But happy birthday, nonetheless. 80 years young this week, Chrissy O'Callaghan. And talking about properties, Front of the Echo this morning says that nearly 90% of the private rented properties that were inspected by City Hall, these are ones that City Hall would be would be using the private sector, that nearly 90% of them failed to meet minimum standards. I won't go into a huge amount of detail in it, but the Echo does this morning where they say um, the most common reasons for failing um, the uh, criteria when inspected were inadequate ventilation, a lack of smoke alarms, a lack of carbon monoxide alarms, evacuation plans not in place, and window restrictors, as in you couldn't get out the window in the case of a fire. They didn't have smoke alarms in them. They didn't have carbon monoxide alarms in them, uh, which is absolutely insane. It would be the best investment you'll ever make in your life, your family's life, to have one of each of those. Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106, and I'll pick up with more uh, texts and emails after 10. But I'm mad keen at this stage to talk with a regular and a loyal listener to this program down through the decades, the one and only Pat O'Neill, who has packed his bags, apparently, and moved full-time to Las Palmas, Gran Canaria. Pat, good morning. Hi, Neil. Good what, morning. What happy the heck? Happy, happy oh. Three Kings Day. Happy, yeah, Happy Three Kings, Happy Women's Little Christmas. Um, oh, although, yeah. although us men should not be celebrating Women's Little Christmas, it's the ladies' domain. But tell me, um, what the heck, like, did you have a rush of blood to the head or what? Uh, yeah, I kind of did. Well, a rush of blood over one year, you know. I know, I know you so were there, but it, did you, what, did you recently sell or what? I did, I did. I moved over here very recently, you know. Yeah. So I sold, and so it was a big decision because it was, uh, I was in the house since 1962, you know. I know. But it was a big decision down in Utah. So, uh, I didn't do it overnight thinking like it was, uh, it was in my head for ages, but I want to live over here, you know. I know, and not you're over and back all of the not time. Not You've been going for yeah. years. You have your own website, canaryislandtrips.com. Tips, I should say, dot com. But the the house in, in Jewtown, was that the family home or were you born there or what? Uh, we, yeah, we were, I was born there. So, uh, yeah, it was a family home. So I, I was the only one kind of left there, but I had walked abroad for years as yeah. well and gone back and forward, you know? Yeah, I know. So, I know. Um, yeah, so it was a big move, but sure, look, it's someone, it's someone else's history now, you know? And someone else will have it to live in because you clearly weren't an awful lot anyway. Exactly, yeah. yeah exactly. But it's, it's kind of so, another link in the chain. It's the connection gone with Cork to some extent. Um, it is. Yeah, it is, yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. So full time there. How's it going there at the moment? Uh, yeah, it's going great. Uh, I'm actually kind of, I saw it's over in Cork, so I'm looking for a property over here. So uh, that's, I'm busy doing that at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like COVID-wise, uh, it's pretty normal over here. Very normal over here at the moment. Like, okay, rates are going through the roof. Like, it's the same as in Ireland at the moment. But life is very normal here. It's like the bars and restaurants are open till 1 a.m. I was out on New Year's Eve at, uh, until 1 a.m., and on that Kim Taylor's beach, there was a large crowd watching the fireworks, you know. 
Um, no. When you say everything is open and a lot open till 1am, that's for people who have, tell me, is it COVID certs? Is it QR codes, masks? Stuff uh, like that? Yeah. Can I, well, I, I'll, give a, I'll give an example of what's happening here. It's because things have changed a bit. I think people's attitudes have changed a bit. The local government, first of all, the Spanish government brought in on Christmas Eve the return of wearing masks outside, you know? Yeah. And I would reckon here in the capital of Las Palmas, about 25% are not wearing it yeah, outside. Yeah. And I was down south for a few days over Christmas in Cladding, this in Las Palmas, and nearly 90, 90% of people were not wearing it outside, you wow, know? Why, why do you think that is? They're just fed up? Uh, I, yeah, I think they're fed up, but like everyone's wearing it inside. Yeah, yeah. I just... I think people just don't get the outside, you know, at this stage. You, you know, know, if somebody flies and into Ireland now and they're doubly vaxxed, et cetera, et cetera, or would people go overseas and come back, they don't need a PCR test anymore. They don't need I an answer. I saw that yesterday. But let's say yeah, somebody going that. from Cork to, to the Canaries, what do they need to get in? Uh, you just need to be doubly vaxxed from Ireland or you can take an antigen or a PCR test. Okay, so you an don't... antigen within 48 hours and a PCR within 72. So if you want, are you saying to me that if you, people wanted to go to the Canaries and they have a double vax cert or QR code, they need to do nothing else? Nothing else. Yeah. Nothing yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you, you were just asking me in there about uh, COVID certs. They bought that in here. On Christmas Day, actually, the courts, look, the great thing about here is that the government can't just do anything they want. They have to run a lot of it by the local courts, you know? Yeah, but but it seems as if they have the use of the codes, use of the QR, everything like that, masks indoors, sanitizing, but keeping everything open at the same time. Yeah, Yeah. uh, just from my experience, it's only that you needed a COVID cert. Uh, to get into a bar or restaurant on islands on level three or above on Christmas Day, that came in. But I'm not actually seeing anyone actually implementing that, you know. No one's checking. Uh, that's been my experience. Yeah. There. Okay, well, you know? you're out there. You see yeah. what's going on. Yeah. I mean, clearly people still need passenger locator forms, don't they, coming and going from Ireland? Oh, you do, yeah. 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 You, 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 you have to do that within 48 but hours you're coming over here. You know? That's simple, like. You do that in five yeah. seconds. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and, so and, and uh, tell me, do you think a lot of people have decided to pack in? I mean, you see more people looking for property over there now from Ireland and from Cork, or uh, people who want to maybe just take yeah. a rental and work remotely for a few months or six months or oh, anything. Oh God, the, the amount of people need that I'm bumping into that from Ireland, from everywhere, that uh, working remotely is unbelievable. You know, well, I'm having a bit of a weird experience here looking for a property. Uh, I had I was supposed to meet a guy yesterday to look at a place, uh, an agency, and uh, the guy never turned up, and that's twice that's, that's twice in a row that's had to happen to me, you know. Why would you think that so is? Was, Just uh, too many people uh, inquiring? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, begin, I started maybe think maybe it's a cultural thing. I'm not sure, you know, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I think it is. Like uh, I always said when I was here for many years, you know, the great thing I had going then was that you know I never got involved with the bureaucracy or officialism or anything like that. Now you, know? you are, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I'm, yeah, a different so, pace of life. You know, and and yeah. are you looking to buy? I am. Yeah. I am. Would you? What I'm kind of value buy. would you get? Uh, well, see, 
I think you do you know what I think it would nearly be see I'm going to look for somewhere smaller Neil I'm going to look for an apartment you know yeah so so you're not it's not the cost of a house then you know because you're you're basically looking for something half the size of a house you know a couple of hundred grand maybe less is it uh, oh god less than that you know uh, it's just myself you know see, would you get uh, a sea view cheap, with that and everything yeah well that's what I'm looking for you know I'm actually, do you know where I am now at the moment? I'm a good friend of mine from County Clare. Uh, I'm staying in his place. And I was, I was sleeping on his couch. And I was saying to him, I said, Dick, if, if, uh, if Ryanair made couches, this would be like this. <laughs> I'm absolutely wrecked for this. <laughs> I'm also, a little birdie tells me there's a Guinness shortage on the island. And you wrote yeah. to Micheál Martin looking for a convoy of Guinness ASAP. Is that right? I did actually. I sent it. We cannot get a pint of draft Guinness on the Canary Islands at the moment. There's a big supply issue, and like I wrote to Michael Martin asking for his intervention uh, because it's a serious humanitarian crisis. <laughs> can't you drink Murphy's or Beamish or something? You can't get Murphy's. I've never seen Murphy's or Beamish over here, me. <laughs> never. <laughs> I'm like, the Guinness is bad enough here, but you know, absolute space the half more fond of you. Know? <laughs> I'm like, the, the first night I went into an Irish bar and the guy knew me and he says, oh, pal, he says, uh, we have no Guinness here. And the Guinness wasn't great there anyway, you know. And I said, you know what, that's not the worst news I've ever heard, you know. Well, maybe if, but, that's, uh, the worst, <laughs> if that's the worst of your troubles at the moment, you're not doing half bad. Which of no, the Canaries, no. so you're saying that people have gone to work there remotely and they've rented, is it, for three months or six yeah, months or by the month yeah, or something? Yeah, I was talking to a guy from Galway yesterday, just like sitting down having a coffee, and I overheard his accent, you know, and he's over here walking. But it's huge, and especially here in Las Famas, you know, because Las Famas is a big city, so it has, like, good internet. And, so they're you know, out on the beach, like, on a beach chair with a laptop, or in the local cafe, uh, having a coffee, and or a bottle of beer, yeah, and working yeah, away on the laptop? Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't want to get too much time now on your laptop on the beach. And does it matter which one of the islands? Are they all pretty much as good as the other? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, each island is a bit different. I find, like, I, I've gone to all of them. And obviously, I, I like Las Palmas. Las Palmas, for me, is a city with a beach, you know, so that's why I like it. But all the islands are great, you know, and they, they're all slightly different. And even especially the... The smaller ones, you know. Well, you should be um, expecting a lot more Corconians over then from February onwards. People desperate for a bit of sun with the lifting of PCR requirements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's, uh, and I, I've spoken, I suppose it's similar to Ireland. And I, the new variant, I've spoken to a lot of people that have actually had it in the last week. And it doesn't seem to be as serious, you know. That's just saying that to have headache or a flu or something like that. That's for sure. That's for sure. Listen, stay in touch and let us know how things are going on as you have been doing. Good luck with the blog. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, it's a good thing about my couch. I got a, uh, my friend's couch, I got an airbed on it. So I, so I feel like I've been upgraded to business class. <laughs> well, yeah. so, all right, Pat, have a good day today in the sunshine, all right? All right. Cheers, Cheers Pat. Cheers, all right, Bye. take care, Pat. www.canaryislandtips.com. And you can follow Pat O'Neill and also read his uh, weekly blog. We're back after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local and national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Prenn.
Vanderbilt Show. Very happy to see. You know the way you get the uh, adult education programs through your door at home telling you about all of the adult education courses that are available across January, February and March and what have you. And I got my one in yesterday for Ashton School and I very quickly scanned through it. And you know how the uh, the late, great Cork historian Ronnie Hurley always had uh, a great course at Ashton year in, year out uh, with Tom Spaulding. Now, sadly... Um, uh, Ronnie Hurley, he passed away. Um, and But I am very, very happy to say that in his honour, there is a course starting and it's great to see that Tom Spaulding has a, a new course at Ashton. It's a glimpse of old Cork. Uh, it's like the courses that he ran with uh, with Ronnie. Um, but this time he's uh, in the company of Dermot O'Drishkiol and Jason Byrne. So three of them will be giving that course and it's a lively series of talks on Cork history down through the centuries. I went to one or two of the courses in the past, found them hugely uh, entertaining and hugely uh, educational and informative. Uh, and if you love your city, then I wouldn't hang around because that will book out like many of the courses do. But if you'd like to go to Tom Spaulding, Dermot Adrishkiol and Jason Burns' course, it's called A Glimpse of Old Cork. And they say uh, a lively series of talks on Cork history, including five new lectures. So they've added to it. And every week there'll be a window into the past of our city uh, with the experts explaining in their own particular fields and there'll be a huge variety of, uh, of topics dealt with. So if you'd like to go and you love your city, you can online, you can um, enroll online, ashtonadulteducation.ie or if you want to give them a bell, you can. And I think they have an enrollment night next Wednesday. Sorry, is it next Wednesday or Wednesday week? It's the 19th of, uh, of January. So further details on the Ashton uh, website. So I'm delighted to see that uh, the course is back and continuing. May it go from strength to strength. Lines open. Uh, you can pick up the phone on 0818104106. Text 0868104106. I want to say thank you to Owen Corey because he's all av- always available to answer questions and queries from Air Tra- and Travel Magazine. He joins me by phone this morning. Owen, good morning. Good morning and happy new year. And many happy return. Big changes in the last 24 hours with regards to uh, who can and can't come into the country with or without a PCR. Uh, quite dramatic uh, testing, pre-departure testing. It was... Uh yeah, I think there's an issue with phones again this morning. Emer's been telling me, so I've lost Owen there. Let's see if he comes back again. We'll do our best to try. We have a different phone system, just to explain to you the reasons why it comes and goes a lot. We had a digital system for a long time here, uh, and that just gave up the ghost. It was dying and dying for, for weeks on end last year, and then it totally died about a week before Christmas, and an analog old system was put back in instead of it. It's supposed to be temporary. It, it's still with me, but it's it's causing uh, as many problems as the digital system did before it, unfortunately. Uh, so phone lines have been problematic. But I do have a lot of texts and, uh, and emails to get through and a lot more besides. Can I just say, uh, ahead of the conversation with... Um, with Owen Curry. The latest now with regards to information that you might find interesting include um, the difference with regards to Omicron and Delta. And I think it's, without overdwelling overdwelling on, you know, putting fear into people with regards to uh, the the variant, but um, the Omicron variant is much, much milder. That we know, right? And what they're saying now is that the Omicron variant, and this is for the vast majority of people who don't have underlying conditions, it attacks the throat and the he- and gives you a headache. By and large, for the vast majority of people, this is what I'm hearing. So it's the throat and and and, and headaches. And but what's very interesting is that the bulk of people in hospital are not in hospital with Omicron. They are actually in hospital with Delta, right? So th- I know that's. 
bad for them and we feel for them and hopefully they'll all, all recover. Uh, but that's got to be optimistic news in the sense that Omicron is not leading to people going into hospitals. Now, if everything stays as it is and hospital staff can manage to, you know, contain what's happening in hospitals, that would be a great thing, particularly over the next two weeks. But the bulk in hospital have Delta and not Omicron. But one of the big changes, of course, that you may well be aware of is for people who are under the age of 40, so up to 39 and unders. Um, with regards to COVID symptoms, right, uh, uh, you don't, if you're under 40 and you have COVID symptoms, you don't automatically go looking for a PCR. You are supposed to take antigen tests instead. And they'll even send you the antigen tests if you get onto the HSE. They'll send them to you in the post. Now, this is for 39-year-olds and under. It's different. The old rules apply for 40-year-olds and and over. Uh, But if you test positive then with the antigen tests that they send to you, then you look for the PCR test, right? But what's very interesting is the isolation period is down to seven days. And they're now saying that the last two days of the seven days as well can be written off if you're antigen negative. So that's kind of interesting, isn't it? It could be as low as, as, as five days. And they're, and they're also, they're also saying that you start counting the days from when you first got symptoms as opposed to when you first got a test. Do you know what I mean? So it, it's getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And we know that the COVID certs will be updated to include the boosters on the 15th of, of January. But the only underlying worry, and Michal Martin's been going on about this over the last day or two, is that 54% of people in ICU are unvaccinated. So over half of those in ICU apparently are unvaxxed. And the unvaccinated in Ireland account for only 5% of the population. So you can see why they keep going on uh, about trying to get people to get vaccinated, vaccinated, vaccinated. Um, and on top of that, then, you might have noticed recently that um, other countries, including the French, the French president, saying that it is his mission now to hassle unvaccinated people and to make life as tough as he can for them going forward. So they're turning up the heat there. But they are saying, with 54% of ICU being unvaccinated, they're saying that unvaccinated people right, um, are eight times more likely to end up in hospital. Now, that's an interesting one. You wonder how they can make out a figure of eight times um, more likely to end up in hospital if they also say at the same time that Omicron is so, so mild. But there are a few of the stats. I pass them on for what it's worth. You can text 086-8104-106. Let me see if those phone lines are any, any better after the break. We'll pick it up then. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, I'll tip away and see and hope for the best. Owen joins me again. Owen, good morning. Good morning. I don't know how much of that you got. But, uh, I got, I got absolutely none of it, I'm afraid. And let's see, <laughs> let's see if, the, if the line holds good now. Anyway, just, okay. just with regards start- to PCR tests not needed. Yeah, go ahead. Why? Yeah, Why do you think? Why? Very simple pre-departure test uh, was it was introduced because we didn't know what was coming down the track from Omicron. Um, it, it was very unusual for any country to introduce restrictions on travel within the European Union. This is very important. Lots of countries that travel from Africa, we were one of a club of two out of the 27 that decided to require testing within the European Union. Um, The other country was Portugal. Antonio Costa had a general election coming up and there may be a different dynamic there. Uh, Removing it now, it makes sense because it really shouldn't have been introduced in the first place. Okay, but that's... All very well to say, but it was. But why has it been stopped now? Is it because Omicron is just rampant anyway and it makes no difference that everyone and anyone has it or will get it? I'm not quite sure because the uh, the theory um, 
basic principle that was accepted in July, Neil, is that uh, travel within the European Union is not going to be based on where you jumped on the plane. It's going to be based on your vaccination status. And that's really the the message, that's the narrative from Brussels. Uh, That's what the European Digital COVID Certificate is based on. And that's what the 27 countries were doing. Uh, obviously, we opted out, and some of the other, and Portugal opted out, and two or three other countries uh, introduced some restriction. So, removing a restriction that nobody else has put in place isn't uh, it, it, it's it's a sensible thing to do. So, when you're asking why, uh, we we don't really know the basis of well, we 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 know publicly they said that it, poss- it was to prevent Omicron reaching our shores. Yeah. And obviously, um, in that, if that was ever going to be viable, it certainly isn't how... That it's, that it's here anyway. Yeah, so they're now saying it's here anyway, so having all of these restrictions with regards to travel doesn't make a blind bit of difference anymore. It's an extra inconvenience on travel, international travel. And you've got to remember, it's still, it's not a license for people with COVID to get on pl- flights. Everybody who's checking in for an Aer Lingus or a Ryanair or another airline flight, they've had this annoying set of questions where you say, have you any symptoms or have you suffered? Do you think you suffer from COVID? And we all go, no, 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 no. But if you say no and you actually are have symptoms, you are in breach of international aviation. That's law. a moral responsibility only, That's though. A moral responsibility. But they, the testing... Uh, is is you know there there are questions there are loads and loads of questions yeah. about the the how efficient testing seventy two hour testing for a short trip all of those sort of things they're separate debates you've had some of them on your own program that's right but and they I don't think it's I think it was a knee jerk re- reaction there was a great deal of fear and uncertainty and one of the things that they did was let's introduce testing for travel and maybe that will work. It's like um, the plumber tapping the different parts of the pipe to see what might work. Yeah, so it's gone from today. Um, and of course, this is only for people who are doubly vaccinated with QR certs and with COVID Absolutely. certs and whatever. The yeah. unjabs still need negative PCRs, don't they? Absolutely. Testing is still required unless you're that QR code uh, tells uh, the airline staff and the immigration officials that you have been through your course of vaccination and you know, there are other pieces of information, your recovery or whatever. Um, but there's been a change in that as well, Neil, a very important change in that the third, what the government calls the third job or what everybody else calls the booster is going to be added to that. The beauty of that is the code doesn't need to change. Same code on the yeah, same phone. It'll update. And the information will be updated. And they're going to start doing that this week and have it completed by January the 15th. That's really important because from uh, February the 1st, European countries, uh, Europe in general decided in December there was a sell-by date on the full vaccination course. And that is a nine months. So from February the 1st, they'll be looking for evidence. If you nine months since your second uh, yes. job, they'll be looking for evidence of a booster that wasn't available on the Irish QR code. It will be available for when that deadline And they've got in. to deliver that on time then, don't they really? Well, it, there, there was a reluctance uh, to even talk about it. And you know, I know that, um, you know, up till yesterday, there was a great deal of ambivalence whether it would be delivered at all. But uh, I heard the 15th of January. Did you hear that date? 
Yeah, that's right. That emerged yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully they'll deliver that on time. Because uh, do you expect that there's going to be a bump in bookings now with people wanting to get a bit of sun from, say, 1st of February? But, uh, bookings are slow. The, the big decision-making process, Neil, would normally take place in January. You know, go back a few years, 30% of all holiday bookings were in January. There is such, you know, consumer hesitancy. Uh, and one of the ways that you can measure that or you can see that is the airline sales that have been put in place by a lot of the airlines. They're quite generous by the standards we would have expected in 2019. And one of the reasons is the airlines are testing uh, consumer confidence for uh, travel mm. through the summer. Ryanair offered summer uh, um, say a summer sale fair. Normally, they only you know if they put a sale in January, it's only a flights in March. And one of the reasons is they're going to make the decisions in the coming weeks as to as to wh- how much of the schedule will run. And uh, they have a very generous schedule. Both the major airs, Irish Airlines, have a very generous schedule in. So what we do expect is lots of choice. What also seems to be happening, and it's quite clear that uh, consumers are booking later, passengers are booking later, that's driving the airlines mad because it makes it very hard for them to plan how many flights to Malaga, for instance, in July, if you don't have the bookings coming yeah. in. And the, but are there seat sales now? Yeah, there are two. There are two, there are very generous seat sales at the moment, and the conditions are quite good. Uh, Aer Lingus have um, are a little bit better than Ryanair, but Ryanair are implementing it on a monthly basis that you can make your booking and keep pushing the dates down the line. Gotcha, gotcha. Like uh, what you're describing there, that hesitancy to book or to travel is also what's being experienced by restaurateurs. They're saying many of them are telling Absolutely. me we're open in January, but we might as well not be at all because people are Hotels. just staying away. They're just just yeah. too afraid well, to go. Where it, where it impacts on holidays is that it keeps the prices down. Like the air, airlines are going to keep the prices low till a certain amount of the aircraft, the flight is filled. So it's good news for consumers that their hesitancy is there. And tell me, what, th- is, what is happening in America? I got a very interesting email in, just to read it from Kieran. He says, um, he says, in what should have been the biggest news story of last week, it's been completely ignored by mainstream media. He says that the Center for Disease Control in America have not applied for the emergency license for PCR testing to be extended. What is he saying here is he says that um, that he says that they can't, he says the PCR tests in America, they're saying, cannot now tell the difference between COVID and the flu. And that's why they're not bothering with the PCR testing anymore. Is that true? It certainly was pretty well covered by mainstream media uh, that the the US had not done that last week. But uh, what what seems to be happening is that PCR is gone out of fashion. It was pretty much the gold standard of 12 months ago and that uh, the US has moved towards antigen as being something more fit for purpose for the um, for, for what they do. Now, it, it hasn't been followed worldwide um, that PCR is becoming less the gold standard. Um, but it's very interesting in our case uh, that antigen was described as snake oil at one stage yeah, yeah. by the medical authorities. Yeah, and they didn't want to know. In December, yeah. you know. So how, what do you so need to get into America? Well, you need antigen to get into America. Really importantly, you need antigen to get into America. PCR will, will do as well, obviously. But you need PCR to get into Canada. We've had people refuse boarding, uh, flying to an American destination to Florida, 
flying through Toronto because they got the antigen, which gets you into Florida, but they didn't get the PCR, which you need to transit oh, through Toronto. So it's still, so there's still a my, few hoops very, over there. Yeah, the, the, it's very, it, my very strong uh, feeling is that PCR is better because it's recognized by more countries. There are countries that uh, will take antigen, uh, there are countries that will take uh, PCR and not antigen, but there's no country that will take antigen and not PCR. Okay, okay. All right, well, that's what we know, but in spite of uh, the changes, you're saying that bookings are, are quiet because there's still a lot of hesitancy within people to, to travel. Can I just ask you finally, are you are you following the Novak Djokovic story at all in, in Melbourne? He, he got a visa uh, to go into uh, Australia, but didn't have um, the proper medical exemption certificates that were needed and he's being told well, what's your understanding he i know he's appealing it in court on on monday but what's going on there oh what a circus neil um it's more this is more about australian politics than it is about um the anything that's from the medical health people they opened took place quite controversially in january of last year and um, there was a lot of criticism so when the questions arrived about his vaccination status uh, the medical exemption which is apparently given by the tournament organizers then you had uh, a conflict um, between state and, and federal the victoria state of victoria is of the six australian states it's the jumpiest of them and then scott morrison got involved with that uh, of very, showca- very showcasing oh there's no rule, a special rule for athletes everybody knows there are special rules for athletes there were last year they're still in place but it's a lot to do with grandstanding and um, you know populism on Scott Morrison's part I wouldn't know uh, how the court decisions would play out because Victoria court decisions tend to play out in a different way than the rest of Australia but, but, but uh, Australians are freaking confident you get it. Yeah. you're confident you get it I think you'll get it because there's so many, um, there, you know, the, the, the judicial system doesn't uh, have to follow public opinion the way the politicians do. But the Australians but, are freaking out about him being there. Very strong public opinion that there's no special routes for athletes. Come on, uh, Neil, there are special routes for athletes <laughs> all right from the beginning of this. That's the real world that uh, sport is operating in. And uh, they have, they, because of the, part of it is the, the, the uh, big backlash against the Open last year in mainstream media in Australia and the competition between um, the opposition and the government as to try to be more strict on immigration and on COVID. Remember, Australia is a very strongly uh, anti-immigrant society and uh, that made uh, COVID policy sometimes get a little bit enmeshed in other political objectives. Yeah, it's very interesting. It would be like the equivalent to, say, Dáil Éireann passing some rule, but Cork City Council ignoring it and passing another, wouldn't it? I think that the analogy is quite good. Melbourne and Sydney and Cork and, and Dublin. But yeah. you see, the, 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 the difference is the Australians is they took a non-entity called Canberra in between the two cities and made it capital. So I don't know what the Irish equivalent would be. Would you make, uh, <laughs> would you make Kilkenny the capital of Ireland as it was in the 1640s? You know? All right, my man. Listen, good to catch up. Thanks as always. Great Appreciate pleasure. it. Always a pleasure, Neil. Thank you. Owen Corey from Air and Travel Magazine. You can check him out on Facebook. Text 086 
0818-104-106. There's two interesting things happening court-wise at the moment, incidentally, because you've got Djokovic appealing that on Monday in the courts, and he's allowed to stay in Australia until then. And, of course, we also learned overnight that... Um, um, in the Ghislaine Maxwell trial where she was found guilty and they're figuring she could serve up to 80 years in jail her defence team are now appealing and looking for a retrial because one of the jurors and jury, jury members in America can speak to the media they can speak to anybody they want and one of the jurors gave an, an interview where he said that he himself in his youth was a victim of sexual abuse and apparently disgusted with the other jurors around the table and told of his story and the defence now for Ghislaine Maxwell are saying that there should be an automatic retrial on that basis alone. So that'll be very interesting to see what happens there, because that's playing out in America uh, as we speak. Uh, lines open on 0818104106. My apologies to Liam Ryan. We've been having problems with phone lines this morning, but he has patiently waited. He's the owner of a chain of super values and have been following a story in the, in the news for the past 24 hours. He joins me by phone. Liam, good morning. Good morning, Neil. So what we're hearing in schools this morning with regards to teachers and students not being back and, and things like that is also being replicated in retail. You're finding it very difficult to get staff, is it? Well, first of all, Neil, and we have two issues. First of all, we have the ongoing issue with, uh, with the COVID pandemic and uh, how, how staff in general have changed uh, their working habits over the last um, 21 months. And more recently, the Omicron variant has put particular amount of pressure on our team, and given the fact that, for example, yesterday morning we had 102 staff out of about 570 out yesterday, and we have 95 out today. And um, yeah, yeah. so, but it's coming right, and it's uh, and our wonderful team has 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 taken up the slack wherever possible. And where are those shops, uh, so incidentally, Liam? Those three that we're referencing. Um, we have uh, one in the lock. Um, talk at the lock and we have one in Grange and we have one in Glenmire we also have another one in Kilmallock and County Limerick gotcha okay so that's a lot of staff then yes and um, does, does that mean that you're going to have to are you considering or have you reduced opening hours well we've only in one store had we minorly changed our hours and that is our Glenmire store we have Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday this week we've had to close at 8 o'clock but we're reviewing this on a daily basis and we think the whole thing has settled down now and we've re- redeployed some of our staff into key areas and our existing staff have been wonderful in that they've taken up the slack and um, and um, we're it's all it's services normal we yeah. do a slight we have a slightly super value we have a slightly different system whereby uh, customer service is key and we employ far more retailers and some of um, far more staff than some of our retailers yeah. competitors too yeah I know what you're you saying know? in that regard actually I was uh, there was a quote from Benny McCabe who owns a, a chain of pubs and restaurants and he was saying yesterday that uh, one staff member within his group is now doing the work of three staff now that has to do with of course table service and other things but are you finding that as well that a staff member has to double up or treble up well there's certainly uh, we have increasing the skill set and uh, and the great thing is they're willing to do it they, they realize that the customer service is needed and they have all stepped up to the place yeah. and they've done a wonderful job and you, uh, and you know what what's wonderful the team spirit has been because of throughout the COVID has been great and, and um, I think everybody's pulling together greatly. Yeah, know? and did I hear somewhere that you that maybe you were over-reliant on college students? Was that was that is that accurate? Um, what we've had to do uh, because of the, the 
settlement of, of, of labour force where, where East Europeans and non-nationals and given COVID a lot of those people went back and they haven't returned there's been a net um, immigration over the last um, 18 months out of the country and that, that has affected um, us and many other businesses or similar businesses in that most people are now looking for staff and we're no different and sometimes we've had to readjust our team and um, we've had college students and and um, and, 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 and leaving self students and um, people 17 and 18 years of age we've employed them now but that has certainly put a certain amount of strain on our existing staff who has to train them and yeah. um, and yeah. And but, but having said, our business is about young people as well, as well as the, with the mix, you know. But um, we certainly could do with a few more mature uh, people working for us. So, are you actually hiring then, Liam? Yes, but currently we have thirty vacancies, and um, and we, we are, we're looking for bakers, butchers, um, uh, general floor operatives, um, mature people. Yes, van drivers. We're always looking for people. And is that full and part time? Yes. And are you getting any interest from people wanting to it's take up difficult. the... Uh, what we have noticed, Neil, is since the pandemic, people are very slow to move jobs, or indeed, we've advertised abroad, and we've had very little response because of the fact that um, people don't want to move in one, in one instance, plus the, the cost of living in Ireland now has increased substantially, and that is their, their, their people, and some of the non-national people who, who joined us before, the net pay after living expenses and accommodation expenses in this country is, um, is considerably less, and the, the gap between the living at home and living in Ireland isn't, isn't, isn't enough for them to make the change. Okay, well, for those that might want to make a change or are looking for work, uh, certainly Liam Ryan's super values are hiring. Do you ever see a time in the future where there will be no staff whatsoever, where it will just be products on shelves and scanned and you'll never meet anybody? No, our business is about personal service, Neil, and we can't see that changing in the, in the immediate future. I certainly be well gone out of the retail trade before anything like that will happen anyway. Well, you've seen the Amazon that. model, which, I, which you can see in the UK and America, where there are no staff and you're scanned going in the door. You never even pay for anything. It just automatically gets taken out of your account. Just take things off well, the we, shelf. Uh, we still have, um, we still have, uh, you asked me four years ago, we have um, the, the self-scan checkouts and they work at the moment. We're about to test this new self-scan thing where you pick up a wand and you, when you, you want your own product across the store and, and um, that's, we'll be testing that in the store very shortly. So technology is going to come in and it's certainly going to change the framework of the shop, but ultimately it will not replace the customer service. It won't replace the butcher, the baker, um, the people who are, we still have to put a product on the shelf. We still have to do, uh, to bake uh, the dinners and we still have to cut the meat, you know? And you still have to answer a customer query like me who can never yes. find anything in a supermarket, don't you? And we have, we've, we've staffed well trained to do that. <laughs> okay. Look after yourself. Happy New Year and I'll let you get back to it, Liam. Thanks for taking the call. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. All the best. Cheers. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818104106. A lot of people texting. A massive happy 15th birthday to my brother, please. His name is Zach Ford. Amy Ford texted to me about and his brother Aaron as well, who are in New York, wanting to pass on birthday greetings to Zach. Happy birthday. Uh, please, please, Neil, please find out what absenteeism means before using it in a sentence. If staff or pupils are out because of COVID, it is not absenteeism. You are a plonker. (laughs) Thank you. 
it's good to be called a different name every day. Um, and then on landlords, I was listening to the conversation you had on the air about some landlords who will take less money from their tenants. Uh, it's nothing better than prostitution on the landlord's part. Surely there's a law against it. It is so sleazy and disgusting to think that a landlord could get away with it. It's not right. Uh, sure, he could be allergic to water, and I don't mean drinking it, as in, yeah, I know, you, absolutely. It's just disgusting on so many different levels. But it's what we were reporting yesterday with Anne Murphy from The Examiner, that there are some landlords that will take reduced rent in return for sexual favours. Um, Tenerife has masks everywhere, beaches, bars, etc. And it was always PCR to get home when I was there. Yeah, but not anymore. You won't need a PCR if your double bank's coming back into Ireland. Almost two years on and we're still buying into all of this nonsense. This time last year we were told that the vaccines will allow us to return to normal. Yet here we are, prisoners in our own homes with the majority of us symptom-free. This time last year we had ten times less cases with no vaccines. How does Luke O'Neill or Jerry Killeen explain that one away? If the vaccines are working, why are we not able to work and socialise? If they don't work, why are we being persuaded to get a booster vaccine? Would anyone like to explain why healthy young people and athletes are dying suddenly? And one more. I was in my local COVID test centre on Tuesday. I asked, why does it always say zero appointments available every time someone tries to book online? She said they're only accepting referrals from doctors. Over the long weekend just gone, she said they were only accepting referrals from South Dock. People are wasting their time staying up late, sometimes well after midnight, hoping that more appointments will be made available so that they can book online. There's that and lots more besides many, many takes. Also on the price of drink, many people getting involved in that conversation with regards to the change to the um, excise duty on alcohol and minimum pricing. Um, Absenteeism, thank you. The practice of regularly staying away from work or school without good reason. Uh, So the plunker texter is technically right, apparently. He's not the plunker, I am. Uh, So it would be regularly staying away from work or school without good reason. That's the deem. That's deemed to be the correct term for absenteeism. I'm not quite sure what you would call this. Uh, Os Lawher, we used to say back in the day. Os Gwelga. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. Uh, I just want to chat with Paddy O'Brien, who does great work with the elderly. Joins me by phone. Paddy, good morning. Good morning, Liam. Uh, firstly, Emer said you just wanted to pick up on the great work that Liam Ryan Super Value does for charity. Yes, indeed. I admire him tremendously. A Limerick man who sponsors, I, I, I won't mention all the names of the GA clubs throughout the city and the county in both Cork and Limerick. His generosity is known to the charitable organization for their annual his contributions. And there is no fuss about it. I've never yet, yes, saw a photograph on the examiner of the echo of him presenting money to any organization. Yeah. I'm personally availed of his, of his generosity because he's one of my... Um, sponsors with the Echo Linux's of the over 60s talent competition of the last eight years. Pay the sponsorship money, noticing his demanding photographs around, and I admire for that. I'm so sorry for his present predicament, and I hope it's sorted out soon. He just gets on with it quietly below the radar. Actually, there's a lovely text here from Trevor. He says, I run a basketball club, and before Christmas, Liam Ryan and Super Value Glanmeyer gave us a substantial amount of money towards our basketball club. Ryan Supervalue look after every club in the community. They are a fantastic part of that community. So you'd concur with that 100%. And and that that is for definite. That is for definite. I know I'm very lucky to have Lennox's with me and Dean Echo and Liam Ryan. But some sponsors would expect uh, me to run on Lennox's call and praise them. Echo, Fogg and all that. No, no, he does it quietly and discreetly 
and it comes from his heart, his generosity, because Lovely, he went to him once and he said, Paddy, I've been very lucky in business, and I want to bring a small bit of happiness to people. Fantastic. And I, 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 yeah, and I'm so delighted that. you said that. I'm so delighted. But are you, was there an over 60s last year? Will there be this year? No, I regretfully that we didn't have any over 60s since the year 2019. And it's very, very sad because not alone did this cause upset to me because it was my life for the last 45 years, but for many, many, the hundreds of people who had attended, not just the final or the semi final, but the local heats. There were people attending now the semi finals, I'm sorry, the local heats throughout the city, north side and south side, every year. And they would meet their friends when they were at the school with. That, and that there was an annual day that had a few clubs. Out to Douglas, down to Man, up to Blarney Street, out to. What time of the year is it at, Paddy? I'm supposed to have it now, please God, on the 22nd of May. Yeah, but there's no heats leading up to that, so it's not going to happen this year. I think so, I think so, I think so, because it has become the biggest social event in Ireland. For senior citizens. Yeah, I know. And I, I, I don't want any praise. I've said this hundred times on the stage. Uh, the present Paddy O'Brien made it. It's the elderly people in their 70s and 80s and 90s going onto the stage to perform. It brought them great, a great happiness. Yeah, but it, it wouldn't have happened if you hadn't put it together and drove it on yeah, over yeah, the years. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I led it for that, so I would have yeah. to say it again. And I, I said it umpteen times at the finals, and I think you were there one day. Yeah. I said, over they made a comment, yeah. Now, th- hopefully 2023 will be better, though. Please, God, um, I just don't know. I start the local piece the better. I, I already have um, dates in my diary. I mean, like up to up to St. Vincent Jay, up to Matthew Goodman, up, up to Douglas, up to Carrie McAllister in the Middleton. But um, what happened in 2020, I had held six local heats. And in my diary, I had all that, their, their names and all the details. And I had to tell them that the final would not be held this year. Yeah. And for some of them, I've been genuine about this. Telling somebody the name was I tell them as if I was telling them there was a bereavement so of a friend of or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 there was devastated. They were broke, broke, really broken half because it was what great for them. They were to represent their town or their village, whatever the case may be, and then their families would be so proud of them because when a person wins the local heat, they automatically put up on a pedestal. Yeah. Their name, their name is mentioned in the newsletter. The priest congratulates them in the order. And after mass, they're shaking hand up trail. So I have to have a very it's excitement. It's like winning the Eurovision. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and even a lot of the people that passed you or who've uh, past winners would say to me, this is honest, I mean, sincere when I say this, and I hope the people are listening. Many of the overseas people like me, now again, they said to me, Paddy, thanks, you changed my life. Yeah. Not just because I won the over-60s, but at the confidence you gave me when you brought me around to the nursing homes, I never realised I could do that. And we're all, all the past winners were all one big family now. We did a lovely afternoon concert over in Carl House just before Christmas. And we meet, put on about 12 show. Then we did another evening, we went off to the Orthopedi Hospital. And these past winners, they met the strangers, but they're on one big family. I admire them tremendously. I know, a lot of things are on hold. Actually, for the day that's in it today, Women's Little Christmas, of course, traditionally down through the years, there'll be a lot of stuff happening today, and none of it is, I suppose, to be honest with you. But well, well, ye- but years back, there'll be huge events put on on this day, wouldn't there? Huge, huge events, and it was like when, when Christmas was, 
overkøbet luftrum, og så bygger der ind, hvor nogle tilværdige hotels, og samlige tak, samlige parties, og for så er another reunion. And it was, I would say, like, another Christmas or... Yeah, this would be the day when hotels would be putting on cabarets and functions. Dickie Rock would be playing, the Art Manning would be jammed, places like that, remember? And that's what I remember it well. And uh, over to more hotel or different different places. And then the GA clubs the same thing. They wanted sort of took advantage of the night and said, Okay, it was a great night and I believe I believe I might be wrong, but I believe that Cork is the only place really that's right. Yeah, that's that right. Extent. And it hasn't really happened. Like I'd be giving stuff away on the air year in, year out on women's little Christmas yeah. hampers, dinners for two, uh, groups of women going away for Prosecco, afternoon tea, you name it, we'd yeah. be doing it. But we live in different times. You see the morning the Vincent de Paul are expecting a tsunami of need they're saying across uh, January and February trying to people trying to ju- just trying to get by particularly after all of the pressure over Christmas and I suppose the elderly would be included in that the elderly are included from that I read an article recently by Kaufman Dr. Sean Healy uh, Justice Ireland and said so 10% of the Irish population are in poverty yeah the reality of the situation is this, that elderly people cannot live on their present income. But people in a low income, we say 240, 250, those people are expected to pay the same rate for ASP as a person earning a thousand a week. Yeah. They're paying the same for fuel. They're paying the same for food. And elderly people at this point in time uh, are not in a happy situation. They're skimping with food. So the fuel allowance doesn't cover the coal or the... It covers it covers for X amount to weeks, twenty twenty three weeks it counts. And that's please that's a appreciate it. But regrettably that's only one one bag of coal. Yeah. But if you're if you're living in a damn cold house, the fire starts in the morning, maybe it's, oh, it's, it's gone hot. before you know. Oh, it. It's gone, it's gone, it's gone. And the ASV bills are exceptionally high. And then people are very worried. I came across an lady before Christmas and she goes to bed at nine o'clock at night to save electricity. I know. Yeah, and other people are not using the television. Life for a lot of our elderly has changed regrettably because they're all living in fear. There's so much talk every day about the bills, 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 and they're afraid that, that they might find themselves in a situation that they'll be unable to pay the bills. This is it, you see, and there's a staggering figure from the Vincent de Paul in the Echo this morning where they're saying they were taking 1,300 calls a week in Cork. Yeah, 13 yeah, across yeah. the month of December. So they're obviously giving food hampers, but they're also delivering bags of coal to people so they keep yeah. fed and heated during the cold months. And I think can relate the same situation to uh, with Catherine Toomey. I mean, only for that person, yes. only for that person. I mean, I met a man, before, a man before Christmas and the greatest compliment and this, like, I, 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 words fail me to describe Catherine, how I feel about her. But this old lady said to me, it's all lady said to me. That woman, she canonized before she died. And I said, that's just beautiful. <laughs> that, that woman, me, about Katrina. I said, Katrina would love walking around Bradley Street and up Shannon Street going home with, with, with a lovely little halo that she was saying. <laughs> we should buy her a halo then. <laughs> I, I think so. But then, um, can I just say something officially so to you? I want to I, I thank Red FM sincerely. That's all right. Don't I, for, no, no, for highlighting social issues. With you. Thank you personally, Emer and Brendan. See you soon. Anytime, yeah. anytime I ring the station, I'm treated with courtesy. I have quite serious problems, and I know how effective they were and how people reacted to me 
when, when I spoke up and I want to thank you for that. And continue to do so for many years to come. I'll see, I'll see you I'll soon and we'll catch up, Paddy, all right? We will, of course, then. God okay. bless for that. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Right, Paddy O'Brien himself doing great work and much of it under the radar. Gets great help as well. I was talking recently about Highland Security, the great Tony Highland. We soldiered well together for many years. I haven't seen him in a long time now. He's got a great security company. And he's there helping out whenever he can with uh, Paddy O'Brien fitting alarm systems for the elderly. He does it. I mean, he doesn't ask for any praise or thanks. He just gets on with it. And there isn't a month go by that he's not fitting them for the elderly on side. And people feel much more safe and secure in their own home, particularly if they're elderly and living alone with the help of Paddy O'Brien and uh, Highland Security. So take a bow, uh, Tony. Lines open, as I say, text 0868104106 and also pick up the phone on our new number 0818104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Martin, good morning. Morning, Neil. This is, you too. Many happy returns. This is great because I have a lot of texts on on drinks. So rather than read them out just now, nicer to chat. So um, anyway, the, the the increase has come in. What do you, what do you make of it all? Yeah, I think the government of America are balls with this again, and uh, they're they're overstepping their their authority on this. Um, we heard from uh, Michael Guerin yesterday from Cumbria and how these measures they're not really to, to tackle the addicts in our society, but more the binge drinkers. And is, is that really the, the place of the government to kind of, uh, in, in putting these measures in place to, to target binge drinking? Because if, if it is, what, what comes next? Is the COVID pass going to be turned into your drink pass? Just to deter the third COVID pass, COVID pass is a drink pass. Well, well, you know what I mean? Well, I might have a minimum of two drinks attached to it or two units of alcohol attached to it where you can purchase your units of alcohol. And once you reach your limit, you're going to be cut off at the bar. Your pass won't not longer be valid. I, I just think we're heading down a very dangerous road and I think these measures are more to the benefit of the black market yet again, much like drug prohibition. And uh, it, it's not going to achieve the desired outcome. Yeah, You're a, you're a big cannabis advocate, but yet yesterday uh, we heard from Kunvera that cannabis leads to all sorts of issues with people where they end up, uh, can end up psychotic from its use. Certainly, Neil. And they're, treating, and they're treating them. Yeah, I'm sure if, uh, if we were to leave Cumvera lead the conversation on uh, legalisation, we would never get there because they're, they're staunch prohibitionists. They're, they're going to be very biased about the, the facts that they relate to. It would be much like leaving priests at the time of uh, gay marriage uh, lead the conversation there. It, it would have been very disingenuous. What, what we're doing today currently... Is ah, well, well, that's I'm not working. fair. I mean, they're at the front line trying to treat people's addictions and trying to get them into rehab to... Let them have that, better that's lives. Certainly, that's, that's certainly true, but they're only seeing one perspective of things. You know, that they've got horse blinders on when it comes to drugs, and they are only ever focused in on the harms. They're they're going to uh, completely dismiss the fact that somebody could go out and use a, a cannabis responsibly and, and not fall into this cannabis and do psychosis. They're not going to admit that. They're only going to talk about. And I, I was listening back to, to Michael Guerin's uh, speech there uh, that he gave on the, the radio yesterday. And um, he, he just talked all about the horrors seen with drug use. But why didn't he bring up the, the fact that Ava Toomey is living uh, an incredibly better life now thanks to cannabis as, uh, as her medicine? He, he doesn't want to talk about these benefits that cannabis has for people. He'll only ever focus on the harms. And again, that's uh, why but I you're going into the, the I know, in fairness, but that's going into the areas of medicinal cannabis. That's, that's not quite the same. And we were oh, talk- he, he, he's supporting the prohibition of cannabis and many people who use cannabis, Neil, are self He actually said that's... No, no, you're not right there because he actually said, where's the effect, that it's up to legislators, legislators to legislate on that. They're just dealing, whether it's, it's, it's drink or whether it's um, 
cocaine or heroin or whether it's gambling addictions or all of the above. They're just dealing with um, those people who are suffering from them. They don't legislate. No, they certainly don't. But Michael Guerin gave his opinion that legalization would be a bad idea. In, in essence, he's in favor of prohibition where the drugs are sold by gangsters, criminals to our kids on the streets, mm. not in control. Whereas alcohol, we look at alcohol currently, it's it's relatively under control. I'm not going to say our policy around alcohol is perfect, but it's under control. It's, it's a lot more difficult for a young person to get al- access to alcohol currently, um, whereas cannabis, they can go onto their Snapchat, Instagram, and it's going to be there. And, and I foresee a time in a not-too-distant future where alcohol is going to be back in the black market, much like cannabis and the other drugs, and young people are going to have, again, unfettered access to this uh, much more dangerous drug when it's coming from these unregulated sources. And just briefly, the unregulated source, how will, how will that work? You, you reference, say, when we had things like prohibition, uh, we had bootleggers, was it that kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. We're, we're going to see back into that those kind of areas. Uh, we've already heard talks of people travelling across the border to the north now to bring back cheap alcohol. If that starts happening, well, we're going to see an introduction of uh, counterfeit cans, counterfeit alcohol. But we're going to start to see lots more problems in relation to these measures being put in, rather than the kind of uh, the solutions that they were supposed to bring. All right, my man. Thanks as always. Uh, appreciate yeah, you taking the call. Text 0868104106, guys. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. We'll do some texts after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. Michelle on the air yesterday morning talking about her living conditions in the Glen. I imagine this is a text from somebody involved in the trades. It's probably a tradesperson. That's a load of bull. There's no way that house is bad, as she claims. And most of the time, it's because the people living in houses like that they allow their own homes to go to pot. The heating isn't gone since last February. We get called up and because they say there's water in the electricity wires. Most of the time when we get to the property, the water is nowhere near the electricity. The corporation call after we do, but they're up the walls. It would help the residents of corporation houses if they did, if they did a small bit like keep the house up to scratch themselves. Interesting text. So I don't know how you can get around the fact that I saw video footage yesterday of water pouring down through the uh, light fixtures. And one final one. I'm writing about my own living conditions. I live in a one-bedroom apartment in the city centre. I have recurring infestation of vermin. The worst part of it is I live in an area with a lot of antisocial behaviour as well. Heroin addicts and alcoholics use this area daily as it's ideal for them. On the weekends where I live is a party zone with constant noise. I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. I have a daughter on the weekends listening to a show and wondering, is this something that I could get help with? I meant to mention that I've been on the waiting list for 13 and a half years. Must be very challenging for you, you know, because you want to stay sober, to have all of this going on outside the door day in, day out, week in, week out. You don't say what kind of infestation you have. I'm imagining it's probably rats because of all that comes with people hanging out there and, you know, eating there and drinking there and shooting up there. But thanks for the text. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. New year, new number for Neil. 0818-104-106. Thank you very much. A lot of emails coming in, even at the start of the new year. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Just giving a shout out. She says they're doing PCR testing at V1 Medical on the College Road next to the pharmacy. She says the staff are friendly and accommodating. I had no problem getting my appointment and got the results emailed to me by the end of the day. I couldn't recommend them highly enough. Maybe you'd like to pass this on. Thank you, Rebecca. 
V1 Medical on the College Road. I was driving home from dropping off my daughter to work this morning at 8 o'clock when I saw two young chaps in their early 20s rolling a beer barrel across the bridge from the opera house. They were singing their heads off. Uh, rolling a beer barrel. I can only imagine how much worse it's going to get with the price of beer and drink going up so much. The publicans would not want to be leaving full barrels outside their doors. This is just going to get a whole lot worse. Happy New Year, Sandra. So we are working on the assumption that it was a full beer barrel. Why would they be bothered otherwise? We're also working on the assumption that they have a tap somewhere at home to be able to get the beer out of the barrel. And we're working on the assumption that they robbed it. Um, I have to agree, disagree, says Ita, with the man on the air regarding uh, Spain. We went to our place in Spain for a week. It's safer out there than it is here in Ireland at the moment. We did our antigen and our PCR, etc., we did antigens when we came back to, and we were not remixing with anyone when we came home. But out in Spain, only five of us ate outdoors together. People need to mind their own business at times. It's every person to their own. If we didn't have work commitments, I'd be living out there, uh, says Ita. And one final one from a lad called Connor, who went back to school today. He sent me an email yesterday saying, I'm going back to school tomorrow, and I'm afraid to go back, as many people have the virus in the minute, and I do not want to bring the virus home, as I do not want my family to get it. Happy New Year to you all, says Connor. So that's a student. I don't know whether he's primary or, or secondary, but he's worried because um, of the prevalence of Omicron and bringing it home to his brothers and sisters, mams and dads, and possibly his grandparents as well. So thank you for those. You can email Neil at uh, redfm.ie. Dennis is standing by. Terry is standing by. First up, Alvi. Alvi, good morning. Good morning. Okay, and we're back again to the changes on Monday with regards to the price of booze. Your thoughts? Correct. Yeah, go ahead. Now, the, there's going to be additional uh, money for the government coffers. We were told that this month, this tax was for to stop people drinking so much. I want to know, are they going to ring fence that additional money and use it for what they were saying? No. For the Hello? No, no, they're not. You're saying, are they going to give that money to addiction services? No. Right. So, in other words, they're... they're people of untruths. They want people to drink less, but they don't want to give the price increase to addiction services to help people who have addictions. That's totally, uh, uh, totally wrong, Neil. That is what they told us for people to drink less. Now, we've got to help the people. It's just like our president, Mr. Higgins, when he turned around and made a remark that we should stop the advertising for gambling. These are things that are important, that are causing havoc with nations. Yeah, yeah. And within our country... Well, gambling's we becoming a big, big, big problem now with younger generations. From yeah. West Cork yeah. to up to Belfast, where are we going to do these things? Yeah. They're going to get the money and let them get, get using it, and the politicians get... A, a, Cataract service here. Well, it's it's a sneaky. It's yet another sneaky tax. It, it may be a sneaky tax. Well, then it was an untruth to say why they were doing it because they misled you and I. I don't mind paying it for the little I bring home, which I love to have. But I do not like the fact that they're going to waste more money 
as uh, Eamon Ryan has ordered ever so many new carriages, and uh, no, none of that will overflow into our dementia and other rural locations. But then, then you got to look at what, say, for instance. Um Mary Lou MacDonald was saying yesterday, because I'm sure she's including the HSE in it, when she talks about the waste of money within the public sector. My words, not hers. I think she used terms like constipated. That there's an awful amount of waste and taxes being used for waste. It's just we're not getting value for money. Has she given the figures? Well, I don't think uh, I don't think she drilled into any of the figures. She was just talking yeah, well, about giving the. Capable of doing that. I know. I don't know about that. She's just she's just saying li- words along the lines. That's she's, a sweeping remark. Yeah, but maybe there's some credibility in it. She's saying that the public maybe. sector needs a jolt. It needs to be more efficient. Maybe, please, let us have the money for they've taken from for the extra money for drink. Let's have a real useful way of using it. Not getting it and putting it into their coffers to go and waste it on other things. Thanks, Alvi. We need things. Thank you. Appreciate it, as always, to everybody that gets on the air making valid points. Yours amongst them. Terry, good morning. Neil, good morning. Did you text me yesterday? Sorry, I didn't see that. Go ahead. I did. I turned to nearly text me every day. (laughs) Man yourself, keep it up. (laughs) (laughs) How are you? I'm good. Happy New Year, yeah. You wanted to pick up on case numbers, was it? Well, yeah, and with the backlog, I mean, look, um, with the PCR tests at the moment, um, you can't get a PCR test at the moment in the country for looking our money. Um, And as a result, I suppose, look, I was looking this morning there, I just seen on social media there for the Bowers RT, it was on about... Or backlog now of cases. We say cases gone undetected in the system. It could be around 150,000 cases undetected in the system. Um, so, as why are they undetected? Because they haven't got their PCR test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they haven't got their PCR test. I mean, the thing is going rampant around the country. I mean, the backlog. The country is constipated in so, every in every aspect. No. So you are aware that under 40s have been told don't automatically look for a PCR test. Take antigen tests instead. Take an antigen test, yeah. And is the capability up and going to register your antigen test results then? No, it's the, the point being that if, for instance, they are testing positive with the antigen test, you then go and look for a PCR. Yeah, and then you see that's going to create a problem there now for people. Um, as regards, so look, the text just essentially was about antibodies. But why don't people just, why don't people, if they're getting symptoms of COVID, right, take mm-hmm. an antigen test and if it's positive... Um, restrict their movements for four or five days. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, tell you, I, I wasn't even ringing no, on this topic. That's exactly what's going on in my house at the moment. Um, look, my wife has tested positive for COVID um, at the moment. Um, she's awaiting a PCR test, trying to get an appointment through the portal and through her GP. And, and explain to me why she even wants to do that. Why which? Why, why does she want to get a PCR well, a lot of that will be dependent on me getting back to work as well. I'm out of work now at the moment as a household contact. And the kids have to go back to school. I have, you know, we'll have to pro- provide proof of that, like. Why? And the proof is needed for what? Uh, for me to, I'll have to go back to work. I, my, my, my period of work here is extended on the... On the on the, I suppose on the basis of her not being able to get a PCR test. Yeah, but you would, you, you're a close contact, so you're, you would also isolate for a period of time, say five days or what have you. 
Yeah, longer even, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I'm just, I'm just wondering, do we actually need any more PCR tests if people can use their own cop-on? Look, I, personally, I don't... I mean, unless unless it's for a pub payment or an EWSS company grant or some, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but uh, look, the problem here is, Neil, a lot of people here are going to be depending on a recovery certificate from COVID to be able to access services. Society in general now is demanding that all these services are only accessible with a COVID cert. COVID certs are going to be expiring for people. People have become infected with the disease. People have recovered from the disease. But they'll have no proof of showing this and they'll have no proof of obtaining uh, yeah. a recovery certificate yeah, from COVID. Yeah, yeah, on the basis that either they're jabbed, boosted and jabbed, or recovered from COVID. I see what you mean. Yeah, recovery, The recovery, that aspect of the COVID cert, no, how are they going to implement that? Okay, well, we'll come back to that in a second. And it's also a case, too, that people would need, would they need a PCR test to get wealth, social welfare because they can't go to work? Or do, you, do the employers pay them? Probably. I don't know my own situation. I'm waiting for my own employer even to get back to me because yeah. they're so inundated with stuff. All right, I understand. Yeah, yeah. No, because I, I was just thinking that... They're well, to this and they deal with that. So yeah. No, I was every, just wondering why, if we, if we know that we... If somebody knows they have COVID and they, knows that they know that they'll have it for the next five or six days, they just don't isolate, get rid of it and get back, back on with their lives and not bother with the PCR. But you're explaining some of the reasons as to why. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That that is some of the reasons why. Like my own situation here now is a bit difficult as well, and we have the two kids here at home, um, sitting at home. The Christmas days, imagine how many batteries I'm going through. And <laughs> yeah, you you, you are aware then that the app will be updated by the fifteenth of January. The app will be updated by the fifteenth. But how are people who recover from COVID going to prove that? Then, like, I mean, so like they would be entitled to six or nine months on a COVID recovery certificate to participate in society. I can't even believe I'm saying it. Um, no, that, that COVID recovery sort, it's not going to be accessible to them. They'll have no way of getting it, which means if they want to continue to participate in society, they're, no, they're going to be, what, they have to get a booster injection after they've been infected with COVID? I'm not sure of that part of it, to be honest here, with regards to COVID well, recovery. The elephant in the room as regards to the whole thing is antibodies. We've been on about Novak Djokovic there this morning. Um, previously infected or they're saying I wasn't aware of that anyway um, oh he could have been you see part of his defence might be that he actually had COVID twice but, right. be, but he, he needs to prove that right and as regards antibody testing how come it's just the elephant in the room across the board across the planet actually you know um, the T-cells that are produced to fight the infection you know that they'd be present antibody you can get antibody tested Sure, I mean, surely, look, we're dealing with a COVID case in the house there, someone who got a booster two weeks ago. <laughs> I, I'm not vaccinated at all myself, and yeah. I'm not, for whatever reason, right? I've, I've tested negative after several antigen tests there all week around the house. But yet another member of the household is doubly vaxxed and boosted and has and COVID. Boosted, right? And she's the, the positive case. Yeah, and, but, you, but you will still, I mean, you can still, like, vaccines don't stop you getting it, but how, how sick is that person? Well, it's the first vaccine, most vaccines stop you getting what they're actually, what they were actually produced for you. I mean, you don't get mild cases of the measles, yeah, you know. Um, you do, you can get all sorts of... After being vaccinated first, you'll get a mild case. I, no, I don't, I don't know anything about the equivalent to a measles vaccine. I'm just saying in general, the disappointment in the house, you can imagine. I mean, you know, she's done everything that's been asked of her and whole lot like this, and here we are now in this situation. Um... And, you know, if, 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 if I was to contract COVID now, 
I'd be in a situation where I wouldn't be able to get a PCR test. Um, I wouldn't be able to show a proof of recovery as regards the certificate, which means for me to participate in society then, I'm getting an injection for something I've already been affected with. And is there a separate... Cer- is there a separate cer- yeah, is there a separate certificate for people who've recovered? There's the, the COVID recovery certificate. Yeah, you wish, you're, if, you're, if you're infected with COVID and yeah. you're tested PCR positive, they send you out, it's fair okay. enough. So that's... The, that's yeah, I know, okay. So, yeah, but is, does that, that doesn't go up onto the QR code app or anything like that. That's a separate certificate. I'm not sure. I've actually, you know what? Now she has a QR code. I've never even looked at it. Um, I don't know. Is it in paper format? It's still used as a as a method to um, access services, or yeah. hospitality, and stuff like that. So a lot of people would be legally and scientifically and politically entitled to participate in society, but unable to do so because of a congested system now. Because Michal Martin is saying that uh, in order to be, as he says, enjoy an active social life mm-hmm. y- or go into a pub or whatever, a restaurant, uh-huh. you'll need proof of a booster vaccine to gain entry. Mm-hmm. Not for all message, isn't it? You think more is there to be telling people in order to live a healthy life, get up and do a couple of laps around the block or some sort of message about health. A year and a half ago, I spoke on the phone with you when this first came out in summer 2020 and we spoke about the lack of any direction around pointers, information based around health. Health and promoting healthy living and stuff like that. It's back, we're back around to January, so it's catching Thomas's job again to fill the gaps for him. <laughs> this is going on two years, and it's just a constant messaging, Neil, messaging of no's. You can't. Don't do this. Don't stand there. You sit on the floor. Don't stand there. Don't but that's because you chose not to get like vaccinated, that. Terry. Pardon? That's because you chose not to get vaccinated. No, Neil, no, no, no. People who are vaccinated can't stand within two metres of people either. Social distancing is across the board. The negative messages are constant for two years and still, you can't be in the pub after eight, remember. You can't, you can't, there's a lot of things you can't. We could be here all day, your show is off the air at 12, so we don't have time for it. Yeah, so what we know now is that people who have COVID recently and who are not boosted will not be able to go into a restaurant and bar for three months until they get their booster. Mm-hmm. As, as in there could be a three month wait that's the hopeful message he sent out to the country in the middle of a pandemic which was only the other day I actually would you believe this I wonder how many of our listeners know that we have a minister for mental health in the state but it also means that people who have been double vaxxed and don't have a booster will also not be able to go into a restaurant and a bar for months imagine the shock when they're branded anti-vaxxers next week oh they won't be I mean that, that you wouldn't be an anti-vaxxer if you were double vaxxed but it means wouldn't that you? No, how could you be? Right. <laughs> uh, well, uh, you see, you wouldn't be an anti. Would you be an anti-vaxxer if you weren't vaccinated with this injection either? I don't think you would be. Now, would you know the term anti-vax? Is for somebody who lo- loose enough. It's a dangerous enough old one, Neil. To be honest, like it is. And to be honest, that's the problem. There's a massive divide in society at the moment that's being swung and pulled left, right, and centre by journalists, media, the television, all polit- and politicians. Veracca was on CNN a couple of weeks ago saying to fight for centre causing trouble. Will he be back on CNN next week when that number's increased? Because not everyone who got the first two injections are signing up for the booster. So that number, will there be 8%? Will we be called 8% who are causing trouble? No, I mean, the, 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 the stat that's given out is that 54% of the ICU beds are taken by people who are unvaccinated and they represent 54. 5%. 
54%. A 4% swing on 50, yeah. Just above, just above half. Just nearly half, so just above half. But those unvaccinated members of society only represent 5% of the population. So it's a big number in ICU unvaccinated. Yeah. I know, but what do you see? Look, we could be here all day talking about what they're in hospital for with COVID. Oh, I know, I know that. No, I'm just giving you this. Still such as is loose again. You could always get a private Randox test, couldn't you? I'm, as, as Neil, where I'm working, you contact your your COVID team. There's a special COVID team like that, and it's over to them, and they deal with it. As regards my work, doesn't you don't do you don't do anything at all yourself. You're, you contact your employer, and they follow up with you. So that's what I'm waiting on there. Right. But okay. as regards the phone call, I mean, it was as regards around the antibodies. A lot of people are going to have antibodies, good antibodies. They won't be able to, we're following the science only up to a point because a lot of people with good antibodies will now find themselves in a situation where they're not given a recovery certificate after beating the disease and will find themselves locked out of society because of the basis that the system is congested now. Country's constipated, nothing's moving, and the whole thing is a mess. And another, I think, 12 days before the dialysis. Would a private test, say it was a private PCR test, 60 euro for instance, um, and you get the results maybe the next day or whatever. Would that not give you the cert that you require? I don't know. They, maybe they should come out and tell us that. Well, it, that's, I mean, isn't that, that, that's up to them. Like, I mean, this is their program. The whole process is, um, is there if anything. So they should be advising people on that if that's the case. Um, but why should people have to go ahead and fork out for that just because the system's a mess? Do you get a refund and if you pay for a private test? No, no. I know I'm just I'm just just thinking out loud. That's all. Oh I know, yeah, I know. And look, look I know, sixty quid in the end of the world either if you want to go be able to live for the next six months in society or whatever, but where where does it end? Where does it where, where's where's the cut off for people? All right, let me get some more calls on. Thanks, Terry, appreciate it. Hey, Much obliged. Sure, Take care. Sure, Thanks, Phil. And good luck to everybody in the home. May you recover quickly. Uh, Phil is standing by. Jennifer, good morning. How are you, Neil? Good. Uh, you wanted to just pick up on something I mentioned earlier, is it? It's just, yeah, you know, um, they're kind of saying, oh, it's five days now if you're vaccinated, seven days if you're, no, five days if you're boosted, seven days if you're vaccinated for isolation. But my own daughter tested positive um, on the 2nd of January and myself and my husband um, got text messages from the HSE to say that we had to isolate until the 16th of January. So they've given us 14 days isolation. Now, I'm fully vaccinated. My husband is vaccinated and boosted. Yeah, that seems very long, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't understand. Why isn't, it, why isn't it seven? I have absolutely no idea. We tried to ring HSC Live and sure, we were hours on hold and just hung up in the end. Well, you've been told so, 14 days as a 14 close days. as a close contact with no symptoms. Yes, yes. So yeah. that's, that's confusing. That's wrong. I know. This is it. Like, and I'm, I'm fully vaccinated. My husband is fully vaccinated and boosted. And he got the same 14 days as well. I just don't understand it you at see, all. I can't. Uh, as, no, that, that, that's, that's not the latest update to the guidelines, though. But this was, we only got the text messages yesterday. Another refreshed text message yesterday to say, you know, a reminder that we have to isolate until the 16th of January. I, I don't get it, like. Yesterday being the 5th. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah we've gotten them actually the last three days 
every morning we've had a reminder to say we're to isolate until the 16th. And are you doing an antigen test every day kind of thing? Actually, my husband got a PCR test and his came back last night negative. And I'm waiting. I got a PCR test yesterday, so I'm hoping now that that'll come true today, that my results will come true today. Yeah, but you would think you'd be out the gap if you continued to test negative by the weekend. Well, this is it, like, I'm just, we don't know what to do now. That makes no sense to me. Because, like, my my daughter, I think they said she's contagious for six days. um, And then we had to isolate for ten days after she was contagious. Or she stopped being contagious. Well, your daughter's under the age of 40. She's tested positive to an antigen and she's tested positive to PCR. PCR. And on yeah, that basis, she, she should be... Isol- care. On that basis, she should be isolating for seven days and she might even be able to take off the last two days of that if she's symptom-free. Well, according now to the, the close contact that rang, told her she has to isolate until the 10th. Now, she's fully vaccinated as well. So she'd be out of it with COVID faster than you'd be out of it as a class. Yeah, oh, yeah she's guys. out on the 10th and right. myself and my husband are into the 16th. Crazy, so crazy I have stuff. absolutely no idea what's going on. Well, undoubtedly I'll get calls yeah. and texts on that, see if people have any updates or any explanations yeah. as to what yeah, that I'd is. Yeah. Do you have yeah, a booster? Absolutely. My husband has a booster. I haven't gotten mine yet. He got his Christmas week. Um, I haven't gotten mine yet. I think that could be one of the reasons why they're talking about 14 days if you don't have a booster. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I have absolutely no and idea text what might I am. Be, the text might be for you and not for your boosted husband. No, he got it on his own phone. Like my daughter gave both our numbers as close contacts. Somebody else says, that's an automated text <laughs> message you got. You need to follow the recent timelines and that you should ignore the 14 days if you're doubly vaccinated. Okay. That's the, okay. No, that's just a text. because the, Yeah, 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 those, yeah. Those well, look, as I say, my husband has, has tested negative anyway, and hopefully mine will come back negative as well today. Obviously, if it doesn't, I'll continue isolating, but they're just still t- telling us because, you know, we're close contact 14 days. Mm. I just... Yeah, can't understand it. Nor can I, so, yeah. nor can I. But I'm sure there'll yeah. be more texts yeah. come in on this. People will text yeah. 0868104106. Thanks for now. Cheers, Jennifer. Perfect, Take care. Thanks. All right, Bye. Uh, one, Bye-bye. two, three, four is Phil. Phil, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? Happy uh, New Year to you thank and your you. crew. And here we are now with this dominating way too much airtime. But what can you do? Uh, what's the situation in your own home? Um, well, I have three kids in their 20s. Um, two jabbed, one not jabbed. And the youngest fellow was jabbed, got um, tested positive there. He actually went up for PCR test on Christmas Day, tested positive, isolated and all that. So he's out of, um, he served a sentence now. Um, so just before, it was the, the Friday before Christmas, that's Christmas Eve, the other two started feeling a bit sick. So they tested positive on antigen tests. So one is jabbed, one isn't jabbed. And they tried to get a PCR. And it's impossible, I think, to just, the system is overloaded. You know, they've been on it. 12 a.m. midnight to, to try and get tests and just they can't. You said so that they tested like, positive on an antigen, did they? On an antigen, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, then they need so. to seek a PCR test. And it's, it's, it's very difficult to get one, you know. They've been trying, you know, every day since and they just can't get one. How many days? So, uh, this is Christmas Eve. That's, um, should so they're, they're way, way, way past isolation time now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, I mean, my daughter only tested positive there two days ago, so on the antigen. So she's still um, infectious, I suppose. 
But um, the only reason that I want them to get the PCR test is that they can get this COVID cert and, and have six that's months. That's exactly you know? right. Yeah, that's exactly, that's, the, that's the point. Like, that I, I'd get. rather them not get a booster or get a jab. Like, But, you know, this this PCR test is really, it's kind of a, it's a gateway to partaking in society, unfortunately, you know. So that's that PCR test will then allow them to get a cert to say that they've recovered. Exactly, right. yeah. And six months then, Grace, you know. And you get six <laughs> months, months on that month. recovery cert without yeah, need yeah. for a booster, is it? Mm, yeah. Uh, and you're sure of that, yeah? Yeah, fairly sure, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's so COVID will come and go in the house. Quarantine will be served. Isolation periods will be mm-hmm. followed. You'll come out the other side of it. Um, and then is it too late then, do you think, at to guess? Well, I suppose, I suppose like that the PCR will not, will you not test positive on PCR after a certain amount of time? I'm not too sure. Because, you know, with the, the false positives with the PCR, you just don't know. It's a bit of a hidden mystery, really, I think. But once you, I'd say if in the first few days you'll test PCR positive, but anything after five, six, seven days, I'd say, mm, doubtful. You know? And, and, the person who tested positive and served out the isolation time mm-hmm. and everything has a, a COVID cert and a, a QR code, yeah. Yeah, they would. Yeah, and yeah, will that will that now be will that now be updated to say that that person had COVID? I'm not hundred percent sure, but I would say yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So will that not do it though? Ooh, that would do for him for the youngest fellow. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And you're saying that some are and some aren't. Is there a reason for that? Well, uh, I, I advised I advised them not to because I think they're not in in the category of of being um, susceptible to the virus, you know. And if they if they do get it, then they'll be able, well able to fight it, you know. They're, yeah. they're healthy. They play sport and they they look after themselves. They eat well, you know. So. Yeah, it's the delays now for PCR. That's the big problem. Mm, yeah, it is really, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody here said, my husband called South Dock on Saturday, just gone with because he had a positive antigen. He still hasn't got a PCR test appointment, and this is the Thursday following. So you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it is well backed up, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, Phil, thanks for your contribution. Appreciate it. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at NeilRedFM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Okay, just to just rewind, the Taoiseach has said that um, uh, people will require to have to have a booster to enter pubs and restaurants. All right, that's very clear. I mean, he has said that. Now I'm hearing that the updated digital COVID certificates will start being issued from tonight. Uh, so it's actually starting tonight and not on the... You know, not before the 15th of January is beginning now. So that means that people with COVID certs and QR codes on your phone, you know, I mean, some people print them, print them off, accept that, uh, but you need to print off a fresh one if that's the case. That will include your booster on the COVID cert then. Uh, so just on that point, but one of the more update, updated points to is that those updated digital certificates will start being issued from tonight. Uh, so it's a case of just keeping an eye on your QR code and your cert on your phone. It should automatically, shouldn't it automatically land into your COVID app? Imagine it should. Anyway, as you can see, it's an unfolding story constantly. And we started this morning talking about schools being back, primary schools and secondary schools, and the amount of pupils that didn't go back today, and indeed shortages of staff and what have you. So economically, from the point of view of commerce, of course, that's dictating an awful lot more now than it did, say, 12 months ago. Just the pressure of trying to keep the lights on and businesses open and people working. 
that is to be taken into consideration when you look at Omicron being um, a much lighter variant of this virus. So uh, keep those calls coming. 0818 Oh, a lovely, lovely story there over the past couple of days uh, of uh, a Cork man who um, actually was a priest for some part of his life, fell in love and left the priesthood. But back in the day, um, he was part of a protest um, because he was homeless at the time and was one of the, those that protested down in Madden's buildings. Do you recall, we, just before, way, I mean, three or four weeks before Christmas, we were talking about the amount of vacant public authority and corporation properties. And uh, one of the callers who lives in Madden's building saying that there were 17 of the, two, the one, two, three, four terraces uh, that were actually empty. Uh, and some of them have been empty for a number of years. That's just putting the story in context. But the man I'm talking about is Dennis Fitzpatrick, and he joins me on my phone. Dennis, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And I know that now, as we speak, you have your own new little home in Madden's Buildings, isn't that right? Correct, absolutely. And had you been homeless for a period of time? Yeah, two years. I was uh, undocumented homeless. <laughs> um, I had I was renting um, a place uh, that went into receivership and uh, was um, informed that I had to vacate. I had no legal standing to fight it. They gave me the appropriate notice, and um, that was it. Uh, so I did vacate, and I had nowhere else to go, so I was couch-surfing, basically, uh, with family members. And, um, did you end so, up on your sister's sofa or something, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I was there for a while, <laughs> and uh, was, uh, and friends, and, um, you know, it was... Uh, and I had beds too, like, but <laughs> thank God, yeah. But there was a couple of times, yeah, where I ended up on the old couch, you know. And what about when you talk about family? How many How many in the family? How many of you were literally left homeless? Uh, well, there was just myself. Like, I have I have uh, five kids. Yeah, but, but they're all grown um, up? They're all grown up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I, like, I was just a single bloke, so I was way down on the housing list. But I've been on the housing list since 2013. I'd have played, you know. That's a long time. Did you get knocked off it at one stage? Yeah, I did in 2015, apparently unbeknownst to me, even though the uh, city council informed me that they had written to me. I never got any notification at all. And uh, about being, it was the time they, were, they changed over to the CBL, choice based, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. And um, they promised that nobody would be left behind, but I apparently was anyway. So you went back to back to zero, if you like. Yeah, I did, and I was uh, attempting to, uh, I suppose, get my time um, on from 2013 reinstated to me, and uh, I was requesting and requesting and appealing to the city council for that. But no, I didn't even get the two years that I was on from 2013 to 2015. I didn't even get that credited to me. But did the protest ultimately then, some time back in Madden's buildings, lead to you being given one of the homes there? Well, all I can say is, if it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, <laughs> well then, to the duck. Um, and, I mean, the following week after that protest, I had a phone call from City Council, from the housing office, to say they had um, allocated a, a house in Madden's buildings to me. Uh, not the one that I'm currently in. Uh, it was another one. And uh, would I come and look at it? And I said, I would, of course, and went down and met a lovely lady. Um, from the housing office and um, she was very courteous, very professional, very empathetic and uh, she went in and the minute she opened the door she says, oh my God, <laughs> because the 
Walsh in the thing. This was a house that's supposed to be ready to be let out. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how it happened, but uh, like they just took possession of the thing that morning from whatever crowd that was supposed to be upgrading it. But like the houses down below and Ben's buildings have been left idle there for two, two and a half years. Some of them even into three years, I think. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Over, uh, over a dozen of them, I'm told. Yeah, well, in 2013, when I approached the City Council for housing and was um, deemed uh, eligible, um, at that time, there was 10 uh, houses vacant. 17, I heard before Christmas, but they they seem to have a policy to be um, housing uh, single men there now. Uh, I don't know whether to single men. There are quite a number of um, single uh, occupants uh, yeah. occupancies there. But they're lovely so little houses, aren't oh, they? Oh, they're absolutely. I'm sure you know them well. Sure, did yeah. your aunt, I think, live there? No, actually, I, I was I was born there in number twenty four. Well, born in oh, the yeah. bonds and lived there. Yeah, so it was my grandparents' house. I spent an oh, awful yeah. lot of my life there when I was in in the Mon. I lived there with my grandfather and everything. So yeah, uh, I remember them uh, they're, fondly. They're fabulous. They're real cozy. They're absolutely incredibly sturdy and um, yeah it's a lovely lovely little community there do you know if they looked after anybody else that was protesting uh, I think at the time there was about uh, three out of the seven at the time that uh, apparently were reported at the time that were uh, vacant I think three have been um, allocated and your backstory is very I'm delighted for you and you had a lovely Christmas there I'm sure yeah I had. I had the pleasure of, uh, well, two of my five children were able to join me. Well, one is in Scotland and the other is in Nice. And um, so, and the rest were with their respective in-laws. So. Well, tell me, the backstory is that you were ministering as a priest for a long period of time, weren't you? I was. I did seven, eight years in the Diocese of Cork and Ross. Yeah. Where were you? Were you on the north side or where was it? did you move around? Uh, no, I was in the north side. I was in Farnley. Yeah, yeah. Great people up there, great parish, um, incredible people to work with. And when yeah. did you decide that it was no longer for you? Uh, that was in uh, 88. And had you been struggling 89. for a period of time up to that or what? Um, yeah, uh, well, I suppose the whole thing was um, uh, like I went into it consciously and I have no regrets and um, I was full free and fully informed decision. Um, like the celibacy was the issue yeah. for me. Yeah. And uh, as they say, a bad dose of Mickey trouble. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's, interesting to, it's interesting to hear an ex-priest put it like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, I think you could equally say that you just fell in love. <laughs> well, did that too. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah. But I just, I just didn't want to be causing scandal. Uh, and um, I love the church. And, I mean, my faith is always strong and has been. Yeah. And um, I just... They have a big problem with celibacy in the church, don't they? They've got to look at that seriously now, don't they? Yeah, well, I mean, they do, and they constantly are looking at it. Um, I mean, there is room for both celibate and yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, a married clergy. You know, I firmly believe that. Um, the Orthodox Church has it. I mean, the mandatory celibacy came on in only in the Council of Trent, which is 1500, yeah. which is relatively short. And that had in, more to do with protecting property of the Vatican and the Church itself than anything else, I'm told. Well, that is partly it, and partly the actual rights of the um, 
I presume the wife. That's well. That, that's exactly what I'm saying. It was to protect it from the wife or the children of the wife. The children of the marriage, I presume, yeah, yeah. there would be uh, because it does. It would create all sorts yeah. of complications. But there's a, there's actually a very um, religious reason why celibacy would be there because um, it was uh, living a bit of heaven on earth. Because in heaven, you're neither given or taken in marriage, as they say. There's no sex in heaven. So it's more to do with punishment and penance for the priests on earth following the. Yeah, the no, not punishment or anything like that. Far oh. from it. Um, it was to do with, uh, I suppose, trying to give witness to the um, life after death, you know? Well, I, I'm not quite sure what there will be in paradise. I'm not quite sure whether there'll be procreation or sex there, but it's supposed to be a blissful place. It is, yeah. But they, no, they, you'll be neither given nor taken in marriage. And did, did you... And I did, believe that, yeah. yeah. Did you, when you decided to quit, um, did anybody try and talk you out of it? Like, would be would that involve a meeting with the bishop or anything like that? Or did they just say, okay, off you go? No. Um, well, I, when I said I was considering it, um, I took three months um, and uh, went down. To, there was no pressure put on me. Um I went, I had a house given to me up in North Cork, which they paid for, um, for me to take time out and to reflect. And uh, I also got help and support from, um, she was um, Boland, uh, what was her name? That's that's not important, but there was a period of time for reflection. And at the end of that three months, I said, no, I'm you know, proceeding to, I resigned active ministry. I've never been laicized or anything like that. So um, I'm still, by all accounts, incarnated technically in the Diocese of Cork and Ross. You're still so, technically a priest, if you like. Well, I'll always be a priest once you're in, you know, yeah. um, unless, um, you know, that, um, that's what they say, once a priest, always a priest. And uh, in cases of emergency, I would even have the power to absolve. So, yeah. It seems like an awful waste of somebody who'd make a damn good priest. Yeah. Isn't it? To have a room like that? Yeah, absolutely. Because I I told you you were working with a lot of the young people on the north side, particularly when we had a, you know, the really bad spate of joyriding in the 80s and stuff. That's correct, yeah. (laughs) There was a lot of stuff there. We put in a lot of work. Did you give Uh, them a car or something? Well, the rumour had it that, uh, yeah, no, what I didn't give them a car was that if anybody, they could take my car, provided they went off up and got their provisional licence, and my brother used to accompany them and do driving lessons. <laughs> That's a great initiative, Dennis. Yeah. Did, were you on Spike as well for a while? Not as an inmate, clearly, you'd be way too old for that, but did you work with the lads, the kids on that? Yeah, I did. I was going in and out. Well, you see, at the time, we uh, there was a bunch of us in um, Farnry, and we called ourselves POTS, P-O-T-S, part of the solution, <laughs> uh, as a play on pot. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do with the with the teenagers on Spike? Well, basically, what we did was we had a, uh, we devised a three pronged approach. One was we set up the Blackpool Glen Fernry Community Youth Training Workshop, uh, which was uh, a prevention method. Um, we also set up um, a youth kind of outreach service, which was with Ogre Corky at the time, but then Ogre went into a tailspin and um, collapsed. Unfortunately. 
unfortunately before we could materialise that and uh, the third pr- uh, prong was an actual treatment programme for want of a better word um, which was uh, day based uh, where they'd be come out on temporary release the people who are in prison and uh, they'd come out and they'd be on temporary release they'd have to go back into the prison every Saturday to sign in and uh, they didn't know whether they were coming back out again or not and did they have be, rehab issues in the sense that there were there addiction problems? Oh yeah, well, I mean, like, I mean, it was an addiction issue in the sense of gyrating was an addiction. Gotcha. You know, yeah. it was a buzz to them. It was a high. It was gave them significance. It gave them, you know, a lot of things that they were missing. So we set up an old thing uh, down there with the probation and welfare service down in the showgrounds. It was called the Autocrime Diversion Project, and um, yeah, it was quite successful. We ran um, with FOSS. There were training courses that was funded through the FOSS external um, works. And, um, yeah, so, like, what was happening at the time was that 95% of uh, guys that were in prison were back in within six months after being released. Because for those that don't recall it, of course, Spike was for juvenile offenders who would have been under 18. So kids, a lot of them, they they must have been very frightened, lonely, and sad to be in there at such a young age were they? Yeah, oh god I mean it was fairly horrendous, nobody wants to be in prison and of course they promise you the earth, moon and stars to be out, you know Yeah. Uh, but it was um, a lot of them just needed, uh, like they wouldn't have fitted in, um, you know, to the the, the the normal education systems would have issues around that um, ADHD that kind of um, issues Um so, like, they needed um, an alternative to the very structured educational system. Incarceration uh, of juveniles was a bad idea? Um, no, I mean, I don't think, uh, but it's, uh, it should be as the very last resort. But no, no, just ask them because it's a hell of a lot worse now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no, uh, what you call it... Well, we've come a long way from, uh, I mean, in fairness to the court system, because uh, I was recently in court there with somebody as well who was going through his challenges. And um, I think there's a greater understanding, both from the Gardaí and from the courts, the judges themselves, and they will look at alternatives now. And there are quite a number of, like, uh, the restorative justice programme, which is better than putting guys into prison. You know, but not all of these work, unfortunately, yeah. for the individual. You no, know, I don't. Have, I don't have a solution to the world we find ourselves in these days. I mean, maybe it's not as simple as saying lock them up. You know, get rid of suspension. Well, that's what they did down in uh, Spike Island, and it cost us a couple of million. But yeah. they burnt it down. Yeah, you know? yeah, I know. Yeah, it was just crazy. Uh, I mean, a knee-jerk reaction, and I mean, unfortunately, that's what we get. Well, it is knee-jerk reactions from our political masters and whatnot from every situation when we're crying out about um, a social issue, whether yeah. it's housing yeah. or, you know, the pandemic or whatever. Throw something know. at it to see if it'll stick. And are you leading a quieter life now? Ah, well, I suppose I'm uh, leading a life anyway. I've always <laughs> led a life. Whether it's quieter or not, I don't know. I'll... Uh, <laughs> I'll have to wait and see. But no, I'm involved in the community, the Blackpool Community Association. Uh, I'm on their board of management there. And uh, you have a great guy there, Bill Dunley. That's right. Has yeah. flagged his uh, 
Do you want flag flying yeah. all along? Would you wander down to the bar, the Baldy Barber for a haircut or a cup of coffee in the pantry or anything like that? Ash at the Baldy Barber, myself and good old buddies, we go back a long way <laughs> and his father before him. Oh, you don't have much yeah, hair to I'm cut, bald, though. I think. I'm bald, no, so I don't need as many <laughs> haircuts right, yeah. <laughs> myself. Yeah. Not from the Baldy Barber, <laughs> I must say. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, listen. Yes. Uh, good to catch up with you. Delighted that you got a beautiful home. And happy New Year to you! Thanks Many for uh, thanks for a little insight into your life. Very interesting. Okay, thanks, Neil. God All then. the best. Take care, Dennis. Bye, bye. Dennis bye. Fitzpatrick, lovely guy. Nice story. Hope you enjoy that. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. You want to speak to Neil Prenderville in the new year? You'll need the new number 0818 104 106. Please hang up and try again. Corks Red FM. Call the Neil Prenderville show now on the new number 0818 104 106. All the stuff that's going on these days, I think one word would probably sum it up on behalf of everybody, and that the word would be confused, wouldn't it? It just all is too confusing. Anyway, happy birthday to Catherine Brown. Happy 60th birthday today. Lots of love from John, Graham, and Joanne. And apparently she listens every day. And thank you for that. So happy birthday to you, Catherine. Have a good day, guys. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.